Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you done yet? We gotta start the show. fans welcome back to the black and gold hockey podcast it is sunday march 8th 2020 this episode 169 is brought to you by betonline.ag go to betonline.ag use code clns50 get a sweet bonus after you place your first deposit we're back talking bruins hockey and and some good some bad but uh, we'll get into it. We got a jam-packed show. We even had a special guest come in and, uh, and, and test our audio because we want to have future guests. Um, so uh, we really appreciate my boy Lance for for taking the time. But um, talking uh, some Bruins hockey right now in the Amesbury, Mass. Black and Gold Hockey Podcast Studios is is with me as always. It's Heather Ingerson. Heather. Hello, Mark. How are you doing today? Oh, you busted out the English. Well, you know, that was the weakest British accent. I'm just happy to have a voice to annoy all our listeners with today. I, I, I'm a big fan of the British accent. I love the Brits. They're my favorite. But listening to the Brits, and Bruin, Brits on Bruins podcast, I, those guys well, are fun. I was going to ask you, you, you like a reformed British accent or you like the dirty British accent? Well... Because it depends. It's regional, right? I like a good kind of dirty industrial northern England. Like old accent. co-host Rob. Rob yeah. had an old industrial yeah. side. You know. Yeah. You know why? Because that those kind of English accents remind us of like how our New England accents yep. came to be. It's just kind Absolutely. of absolutely between that and obviously the whatever we had a lot of Scots, Irish, whatever come here and that kind of like more non-defined. I mean, every now and then I like to have a cup of tea too. <laughs> so, you know, I love it. I love posh spice. Just kidding. Uh, Before we get started, how was the week? It was busy. Big karaoke thing for Amesbury Youth Hockey on Friday, which was long but fun. And now the word's out. Should be twice as big next time, but it was good times. Thank you to my brother, DJ Dale Entertainment, for offering to, for free, be the karaoke guy. And the lights. And also uh, Leo at the barn at Fiverr Street in Amesbury, who donated the hall and a bartender to us to do our thing and try and raise a little money for the kids. And, you know, just a lot of Bruins, a lot of running around, a lot of work. 
My son's worked a lot. That's it. How about you? How was your week? You it was quite have a good week. Yeah, it was good. I, I, I didn't feel good at all on Friday, um, but I took the day off. I didn't do anything. And uh, I was going to do a, a sportscaster live um, yeah, show, but I, I passed. I couldn't do it. And so I think I'm going to do one today if we can get this done before 3 o'clock. So Providence Bruins are on this afternoon. Sorry, I was the, late. No, no worries about No worries. Uh, but let's just get right into it. Let's do it. Long week, long week. Yeah, yeah, it was, but we got a lot to talk about. So last week's games, there were three on the table. And the first one of the week was... March 3rd, 2020, I believe that was a Tuesday night, the Boston Bruins played the Tampa Bay Lightning in Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. and uh, Brad Marchand gets on the board scoring his 28th from Tory Krug and David Pasternak at the 1905 mark of the first, giving the Bruins a one nothing lead. Jake DeBras scores his 19th from Charlie Coyle at the 1005 mark of the second period. He's up 2 to nothing. And in the second period and the final goal of the game, uh, Mitchell Stevens scores his third at the 17-28 mark of the second period. That's it, though. The door was shut. The Boston Bruins contained the the highly skilled Tampa Bay Lightning, Stamkos-less Tampa Bay Lightning, and uh, got a 2-1 victory uh, on the road. So... Set the it really set the stage for the later game in the week when these two teams met each other. But we'll talk about that later with the game in Boston. But I was quite surprised by this effort. I, I like I like winning. Ultimately, winning is awesome. Tuka looked good. Yeah, he Stopped looked really 20 good. Twenty out of twenty one, nine fifty two. How's it going there, Tuka Rask? How's it going? I love it. Uh, yeah, I thought they overall looked good. I mean. We, this goes back to what we always talk about. I feel like they play up when they're playing teams that are their peers, and then they kind of like we play Detroit. Not that they're not playing, but I feel like Detroit's can come down. in and just knock us down. Like right. it's the weirdest thing, I'm which total, I guess is good because I'm totally with you on that. You need to lose. I you can't win all the time. You need to lose sometimes. Adversity is good. Uh, but Jake DeBrusk, how you doing? Haven't seen you in a bit, buddy. Thank you. And a typical Jake, Jake DeBrusky. But that's the other thing, though. It made me think of like. I feel like we kind of, not we personally, but just kind of as Boston fan base because we got to be on top of our players. No one's more critical of our own players than the Boston fan base. It's like as much as people say shit about Jake DeBrusque, he's got 19 goals. He's got thing. He actually, on average, is where he should be. So every yes, he's very streaky. That can be scary. I personally think I would like him to just go back to his natural wing next to Krejci up there on the left. See what happens now. But like. Very Jake DeBrusk kind of goal. Very yeah. Jake DeBrusk. Yeah, and he, the expression on his face afterwards was "get that monkey off my back" mm-hmm. type of shit. So, because that's what I think a lot of people forget. Like, even though he hasn't scored goals, he he has had some helpers. Like, he's he helped Charlie McAvoy get his first goal. You know what I mean? Like, right. people, I think we get lost in the shuffle. But Jake DeBrusk, looking like Jake DeBrusk for a moment at least. Thank you very much. This would be a good time for him to step it up too. Just you know, with so with so little few few games remaining in the regular season. And uh, the upcoming playoffs. So, I mean, all hands on deck at that point. The second game of the week was on Thursday in Florida. This little panhandle trip for the Boston Bruins brings them to Miami against the Panthers. Uh, no goals in the first period. Mackenzie Weger from the Florida Panthers. 
he gets a goal at the 655 mark of the second period and Patrice Bergeron gets his 30th goal of the year this guy is just a tank from Krug and Marchand on the power play to tie the game at one there were no goals in the third period but then there was overtime <laughs> and then there was overtime and 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 Heather's gonna have a fangirl moment Everybody should be having a fangirl moment. Her boy, Tori Krug, scores his ninth of the year from Pasternak and Krejci at the 4.08 mark of the overtime period to give the Boston Bruins Bruins a 2-1 victory. I'm not going to lie. I was a little nervous because my boss touched my scarf, right? And the last time he touched our scarf, we got our asses handed to us by Vancouver and Calgary for two games. Yes, George. Yeah, hand, thanks, George, George McCarcus. So I was like, thank. And then we were going to overtime. Like, I swear to God, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. He did. Thank Juju. And I get a funny text from him after Tori scored that said, who touched the scarf? Who touched it? And I'm like, I can't. So now he's being I was the, like, I'm not kidding you. Like, he's being the hand of praise we'll, yeah, at that we, point. We will be fighting. Uh, but yeah, it was a, like. Good. That was an intense game. I actually think the Florida game was more intense than the Tampa game. Like Florida's really? fighting. Well, I think Florida's in a weird place with their. Yeah. They haven't quite got bumped out of being able to make that wild card They're yet. They're they actually could even make it to the third spot, depending. But I think Philly's about to take the Metro, and nobody like. Yeah. Well, I don't think anybody knows it yet, except for Philly. Like you know, like that's. <laughs> uh, but at least in our like you know, Toronto. They're. they're our special guests had said about like, but the East is is a beast of a division this year. Uh, so really, there's not still there's not a lot of points that separate even the Rangers. You know, there are still teams that can fight their way into that wild Absolutely. card. It's going to be an interesting last thirteen games. Eastern Conference very uh, tight, very right? Tight. They're just into, and I feel like Florida is playing exactly like that. They were playing really well, then they've had their troubles, and like. These are the right. So if you're a Florida, you want to beat the Boston Bruins. You want to play well against them because it shows to everyone else you're not just laying down. Like you'll fight till that last game, which is what you want, right? Like that's right. Only the teams that deserve it should be in there, kind of thing. I mean, under the stupid system, who knows? I mean, you could be worse than somebody else and still not get in, but whatever, better, and you could make it in again. But that's a whole different thing. But I thought overall it was a more intense game. Uh, how did um? Yaroslav Halak got the start that night, and how were his numbers uh, in that game? He stopped 32 out of 33 with a 970. Thank you, Yaro. Looking good. Again, our goaltenders, nobody wants to face our goaltenders. No, they're no, not. starting to really pick it up. Unfortunately, when you talk about goaltending, the, the, the effort in the last game of the week wasn't exactly there, but neither was the effort in front of them. Or along that bench, it was. I, I don't believe it was a, a very good game. But we also our defense is a yeah, little shuffled. Yeah, we'll, but we'll, we'll talk. About we'll that, definitely yeah. talk about that. But I mentioned on Twitter that that was kind of a um, a stinker. You know what I mean? I thought it was. Mm-hmm. I thought it was. But a lot of people was like came back, and it wasn't about the loss. It was more or less like, you know, it does suck to lose, but that's the type of hockey and energy. I, I, I missed and I even said that too as like as a as a product of the seventies and eighties and and even early nineties hockey, it you kinda get like, you know, inspirational, like, wow, I remember those days. I agree. I I liked last night's game. I mean we haven't talked about it, or even I guess all week's games because I am old enough that I was raised with like a good amount of hefty fighting and slinging and like grind dirty hockey like you know what i mean that being said 
It's only like we're doing it for a strip club. <laughs> <laughs> Officiating. Well, uh, with all the fights that have happened this week, one would think that it was a strip club the way like <laughs> stuff's coming off here and there. Yeah, that so. being said, I'm pissed off at officiating this week. Oof. Not just for my team. I'm just looking around the league again. Now I'm back up. We're going to start this sh- of crappy officiating. I mean, you you haven't read last night's game, but let's face it. We all heard how they had to horn it to blow play dead because the refs couldn't, you couldn't even blow the play, you know, yeah. whatever. I mean, that means Toronto or New York called and said, blow it. Gary Bettman probably called and was yeah. like, blow that crossed it the line. De- like, let's get this done. Yeah. But anyways, let's talk about the Tampa game. Give us the numbers, please. Real quick. Um, the first period, the Boston Bruins go down two to nothing. Um, the first goal from a piece of crap, Anthony Sorelli at the 508 mark and Mikhail Sergachev uh, at the 610 mark. Um, just just not good at all. The 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 Bruins defense was like Swiss cheese and and on occasion so did the goaltending. And the you know, the goaltending has been great. We've been really, really praising them a lot, but they are gonna have games that they just put up a stinker and it sucks. And then all of a sudden you hear all the trade too could pundits come out oh my god he's the best goaltender i know i'm probably gonna win the vizina but nobody's ever happy but in the second period cedric parquette another piece of crap um scores for the tampa bay lightning at the 650 mark of the middle frame but the boston bruins seem to get a little resurgence uh res- yeah resurgence right. exactly right. um and 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 mostly because they got physical and I think the Tampa Bay and Boston, they just got, when they get together lately, it is playoff hockey all the time. Um, but Charlie McAvoy scores his fifth in the second period at the fourteen fifty mark from Coyle and Grizzlick. Sean Corrali, uh, four minutes later, scores his sixth from McAvoy and Kasha at the eighteen thirty seven mark of the middle frame, and that was it for that scoring. So it is three to two. But the third period, Alex Colon, the Harvard graduate, scores his 26 at the 108 mark of the third on the power play. David Pasternak, hashtag Pasternasty, scores his 48th goal at the 637 mark of the final frame. That's on the power play. Bruins get a little closer, but it's just not close enough. Uh, Nikita Kucherov scores his 33rd unassisted at the 1858 mark of the third, given the pro. The Providence Bruins. Oh my God! The Tampa Bay Lightning, a five to three win. I gotta stop looking at words because when I look at words, I I just pick it right up. Words are my enemy. Just kidding. Pretty much. Um, I would like to mention that there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, there was a little eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-six penalties, including multiple game mis- ten-minute game misconducts, yes. and multiple five fightings. It was crazy. Somewhere in the second period, this game started just degenerating into degenerate behavior on all sides of like who. No one's getting suspended, anyways. So there you go. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Um. Yeah, lot, lots and lots of, uh, it was rough. Like, it got a little punchy during the Florida game, but, again, maybe, like you said, it's the second game of the week versus the teams and everything had already been building over. I agree with you about Sorelli. Can't stand him. Um, but, 
even though they lost, I'm sorry, even though they lost, I don't feel like they pay, played poorly. Do you know what I mean? But so, it would have been a different game had we not given up those two shorthanded handed yeah. goals in the first 10 minutes, which, of course, is atrocious. You can't take that back. Yeah, I agree is. with you. I think that uh, Tuka was giving up some shots that, like you were saying with Yarrow, that all day long you stop these shots. Like, you know what I mean? So doing yeah. the weird, like I can stand on my head, but like certain ones. I do think defense is a little shaken up about the Florida game, but again, we'll get to that after the stats and numbers here. Uh, but if that's a playoff series, dude, someone's going to die. <laughs> well, right. when we played them, remember in 2011, I mean, that was the series where yeah. Stamkos took the shot to the face and yep. we we're at the bar and the guy's like, oh, he's done for the game. We're like, what are you talking about? It is game seven of the Eastern yeah. Conference Finals. He's going to get stitched up and he'll, he'll be back. back out. He is the captain. Like, just Crazy. So, I don't know. What do you think about that game? I just, I, I like it. It was hard. I mean, and I even forgot, and thank you for bringing it up, was the first two Tampa Bay goals were on the shorthand, and that that can't happen, especially no matter what part of the season, it can't happen, but especially when you're getting towards the playoffs and you're trying to, you know, create some synergy for that postseason run. You don't want to be giving um, shorthanded goals away like that, uh, especially with you know, within a minute. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, that, you know, that's that, short, you got to right? tighten up, boys. Um, but yeah, it was feisty and so on. I think, I think, uh, that's Sorelli character, um, was kind of, you know, was it Chara that was engaged with somebody? He just came in and just like mm-hmm. gave him a pivot shot to the hip and, yeah. you know, it's like, well, where was the call on that? And you, you were talking about, you know, the officiating uh, a little while ago. It's Officials control the pace, and if you're not going to control the pace, what's going to happen is people are going to take liberties. And that's when just melee started breaking, yeah. right? That there was, like, eight different penalties for one second of play. Like, right. take control of the game. Like, I get they're bigger than you. They're fa- Like, let's face it. Like, Char is tougher than anybody else on the ice, even though he's older. I get that. But as the ref, you're supposed to have... Everyone has an unwritten, like, I don't have to respect you, but you are the ref. I'll listen to you. But if the ref's not going to get, it's like a parent, right? So if you like, you let the kids fight over here and you never interrupt them, then someone's going to end up with a broken nose or a broken wall or something, right? But if you're intervening on it and not letting it just escalate and escalate till it breaks out into basically by the third period, I mean, you might as well have been at a boxing match as opposed right. to a hockey match, you know, which again, I think is sexy because I'm a kid from the 70s and 80s. But they're not like you are the representatives of the NHL to keep your you are the law and order and like if you're not going to police it they are going to police themselves in a not very gentlemanly way and that yep. like you said you're going to run at Char Char wasn't even engaged with you know what I mean it's but after the game before when everyone saw what happened to Brandon Carlo and nothing happened I mean if I'm a, like if I'm a Sorelli I'm looking around like well shit I mean if this guy yeah, I mean, I might have a little bit of background. For, but. for me, it was the eyes that were in the vicinity of when it happened, uh, and then it was just it was it was it went unseen. I this is those know. are the things when people say the officiating has a hard time. Like I agree that the officials, and we've talked about this. Maybe they need a little more help because the game is so fast, and there are only two people, and there's only you know whatever, and there's big bodies moving. Yep. I mean. If, a, if an official has to go like this because they, you know, to let the player go by, they might miss some, I get that. But when the play, I mean, it wasn't like it was during course of play. It was like, you know what I mean? Like, yep. you're right there. You have it. You know, just like last year in the playoffs when the guy's like, oh, well, we rely on the guys to tell us it's out of bounds. No, you're in linesman. Your whole job is, is it in play or not? Or did someone go off sides? Like, exactly. that is your only job. So, 
I I blame the officials. Uh, I feel like maybe the officials are starting to give up. They don't know what their job is supposed to be because the NHL won't give, like, they get these weird, ambiguous gray rules that change. Also, no other league changes in season. We are the only league that changes go- rules for in season, whether they need to or not. Most people wait so that you can train, you can yeah. get the video, you can make the decisions. Yeah. And it drives me nuts that these referees aren't accountable for anything. And because of that, I think a lot of the refs have just given up. That's and they're that. just like, unless like someone's going to die, we're not even going to bother to like be, you know what I mean? That's valid. Yeah, That's valid. I just, at this point... Whatever they seem to do is going to be wrong anyways. And uh, the consistent, I just, I can't. Like, I guess maybe bring on the robots. I don't know. I don't want anybody out of a job. But bring on the robots. I just, I can't. But that was that. What do you think? We, what do you think we sit going in these last couple weeks? It's going to be a weird week. It's going to be a battle. And um, But before we get into the upcoming games... Yeah, we should talk about our awesome show sponsor, right. BetOnline.ag. How are people going to know what to bet on and where to go? I know. I know. There's so many so many uh, good sports that you can get involved in. Did you know you can bet on major sports like NHL hockey, Major League Baseball, NBA basketball, golf, soccer, and the very popular March Madness National Basketball Tournament? As you can find all these odds with our exclusive sports work partner, BetOnline. They have been in the industry for over 20 years, providing customers with the first-to-market odds and giving you ability to bet anytime and anywhere. Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit and have a little fun with some betting action today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So, um, with the upcoming game upcoming games uh we do have i believe three of them three of them in a back-to-back so heather why don't you tell me and the uh and the listeners about the upcoming action okay tuesday march 10th we are going to philadelphia to the wells fargo center to take on the philadelphia flyers the red hot philadelphia flyers kind of scary looking like they might take the metro at this rate they have won nine out of their last 10 games they are on a roll so if you want to know who's hot on this team everybody is hot on this team right now carter hart provola it doesn't matter carter hart. pick somebody on the team that is not injured they are on fire uh they are currently 41-20-7 with 89 points. They tied Washington last night with the for a point, so the Metro is still not decided. At home, they're 25-5-4. That's a pretty good record at home. Uh, so their fans will be fired up. Uh, like we always say, it's always good. Broad Street versus Causeway Street is always a nice, you know, everyone gets up for that game, you know, more than others. Um but we have played them twice this year, and we lost in the shootout both times. They actually just showed the review of one of them when I looked over on Mark's screen for a second. Uh, but we played them in November on the 10th. We lost 3-2 to two in the shootout, and I believe that was like one of those games where we were winning by 3 and then we or 2, and then Collapse. we ended up losing it in the last 5 minutes. Uh, and also on January 13th, we lost 6-5 to five in the shootout. Again, we had the lead and then blew that. I personally think the Philly game is going to be scary. What do you see? What's what? What about the Philly game, Mark? I could honestly, if and I want to see a win, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. But I do want to see the intensity that the Boston Bruins brought to the um, the the Tampa Bay Lightning game at TD Garden yesterday or last night, and kind of give back the the Broad Street Bullies and the uh, Big Bad Bruins kind of feel because I it's. 
I woo, I want to get some consistency with this because I'm just like I'm getting the chills even talking about. Look, yeah. So, <laughs> well, and I love it too because Philly's like our sister city. Do you know what I mean? Like people. I like. I remember I was there one time. I'm like, oh, I was like, I don't know why people say people in Philly are jerks or whatever. Right. Like, you all seem nice. And he goes, you must be from Boston, meaning like we have the same kind of warm and fuzzy. Like, right, right. We hate it everywhere and the else yeah. in the country. But uh, no, I just these uh, you know these two franchises that's just been going at it since the the sixties, since the, the the Flyers came in the league in in sixty seven. So there's, there's there's definitely history there. Um, and but, the, the last time, right, the Philly was in the we didn't we play Philly? Not the, the, the last time they oh they might have made it the year after too, but we had a few good runs early yep. in the decade. But Philly's been out a couple years. They're like the Montreal Canadiens, storied, te- storied teams that should be in the playoffs, Absolutely. but can't seem to make the, back into the playoffs. So I listened to a bunch of Philly uh, podcasts, um, Broad Street Radio, and 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 um, another a couple few more O and B podcast. Um, I love and, the Broad Street Bullies ones. Yeah, I, the Broad Street I actually Bullies. was listening to them this morning. But just hearing some of their stuff on my on my forty hour work week, you could tell that that team um, went through a phase of you know getting some some lower draft picks and rebuilding uh, from the ground up, and and now those players are starting to come into their own. Like I mean, it's it's really good to see them have a decent start, small sample size with Carter Hart. Mm. Um, their goaltending has been just been abysmal since, I think, Ron Hextall Yeah, left. I was going to say, they, you know? they haven't had... I mean, they've had a couple goaltenders that, I don't want to say were horrible goaltenders, but, like, the elite... Like, they haven't had a real, true, like, elite starting goaltender right. since probably Hextall. Well, they had that was Ilya. a long time. They had Ilya Vizgalov, but him and his yeah. bears in space is like, to bears... Yeah. They're they're weird. Yeah, well, people can be like weird and have all that, but like still stop the fucking puck. I'm just saying. I know, like I know. Got no, but the, I think I Philly's feel like still paying him. Philly's clicking. <laughs> Philly's clicking on all cylinders, and nine, everybody nine in a row. Everybody in the East should watch their backs, because I'm sorry about Washington. You're looking like you might be second and third, and that that's sad to me because I really wanted that Pittsburgh. Philadelphia yeah, yeah, matchup yeah. in the first round, but all PA battle. Still, Pittsburgh, Washington wouldn't be bad. The 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 Metro's a mess. We're never gonna know who's like. Right. Although they are looking like they're gonna have the wild cards at this current point, but we'll get to that later. But Friday on March Friday the thirteenth, I like Friday the thirteenth. Uh, my aunt saw something on Facebook that goes, "We start the week with a spring, you know, a leap spring forward." We have a full moon this week, and we ended on Friday the 13th. Good luck, people, because it's going to be one of those weeks. Uh, so anyways, Friday the 13th, we're going to Buffalo, 7 p.m. Buffalo, again, continues to just Drop, exist. Dropping six in a row. They they have lost six in a row. They're three and seven in their last ten. Uh, they're 19-11 and four at home, so that's probably where they're playing their best hockey. Uh, who's hot? No one really in Philadelphia. I mean, Jack Eichel is Jack Eichel, but... Again, it's so weird. They've been in a rebuild for so long. And it's like every time they start rebuilding, they blow everything up. And another they team had, that can't get goals on They had a weird, like, thing. I don't know. I, I just feel like poor Jack Eichel is going to end up being the Taylor Hall, like one of the greatest kids that never could find a team that would be successful ever. They're going to have plenty of personal accolades, but they're going to go, I don't know if he's ready for the Hall of Fame because he never won the cup. <laughs> have you seen the teams these people have had to play on? Uh, but... 
They're six in the Atlantic right now, 14th in the conference, 26th in the league. So, mm, but like we talked about, besides Detroit, that bottom 10 teams are all kind of close in point wise. So they're not the worst of worst. Uh, luckily, though, we have beat Buffalo three times. So that was in November, and we played them on a home and home, not back to back, but like, you know, day in between. Yep. In December, uh, actually. Was that the? Oh, I can't remember. I think that might have been the last game of the of 2019. But I'm not so worried about Buffalo as I am. But any team can beat any other team. And a lot of teams like the Buffaloes of the world, the next two weeks are about fucking up everybody else's bracket. Yeah, so exactly. Let's say you versus Buffalo. Besides the Jack Eichel. Just hope that they don't, like we talked about earlier, um, I'm not sure if it was in the pre, uh, pre-show or now during the recording. But you don't want to play down to your opponent, and that's the type of game that I cannot stand when the when the Boston Bruins do that. They play so good against teams like Tampa Bay and everything else, but when they come down to a bottom feeder like Buffalo right now, who's uh, currently in the third to last in the Eastern Conference, mm-hmm. um, be prepared, be prepared, and um, and get it done. Uh, you still need these points, create more of a gap because you never know what's going to happen. In the later parts of this of the season, so uh, do whatever you got to do to get it done. I know we're at a decent gap right now. I'm not good with the numbers, but um, we have a pretty good looks schedule. Looks like good. seven. Yeah, we got so, seven points. Um, that is that is good, but it's just not good enough for me because this is just the you know the factor of you come down to the last week and you drop the last four games. Who's got more games in hand plays a plays a key and blah blah blah. So I just want just want to truck everybody right through this um especially the team that we're going to talk about on saturday so saturday on the 14th because you know we haven't had a back-to-back in the last three weeks so we might (laughs) as well start giving us some uh we are playing who i'm sick of i don't even want to hear of or look at except for if i'm listening to steve dangle i love that dude uh his podcast not just steve uh we're going to play toronto at home thank god hopefully this is the last time we have to play toronto this year here's hoping i personally still hope toronto doesn't even make the playoffs because i think they deserve not to uh i'd like to say who's hot who's not but this team is so hard to tell because they want to be a good game but the team but they really aren't that good of a team they have crappy defense as far as i'm concerned goaltending is still like what toronto is very weird they have all the parts they need and they cannot get their shit together. Yeah, they just. And I'm sorry, but like this just goes to prove to you that you know what? Maybe Sheldon Keith is not magical, and maybe it wasn't just Mike Babcock. Maybe you do have a room full of a bunch of personalities that don't click and don't lay down for each other because they're too busy worrying about their own paychecks. That doesn't mean everybody wants to win a Stanley Cup. I'm not saying that, but you know how you win Stanley Cups is you play as a team yeah. and you work your shit out and you don't just pay people a shit ton of money because of what their odds are. Well, actually, won't get defense. Yeah, and not. Only that they've had Morgan Riley's been hurt, you know what yeah. I mean? Like oh, yeah. they they've had de- yeah. Also, they don't go out and get defense. They literally have their third liners playing better than some of their like alleged top guy. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean I don't say alleged. They're some of the greatest players in the whole entire league. But it doesn't fucking matter if you don't win. And they keep popping in and out. That's why I said like Florida was desperate the other day. They know they still have a chance if they play their way right. Because right now all the wild card teams, they're just trying to be number three in their division so they don't have to worry about the wild card, right? Because right. it doesn't matter what your record is. If you're the top three in your division, you get to play in that first round. So True that. Um, anyways, they are 
away. Right now, Toronto's got 69 points, so we're not worried about them closing it. 69 games played with 79 points, sorry. They're 35, 25, and 9. They're 18, 16, and 2 away. We always know that Toronto and Boston hate each other. It's like yeah. playing Montreal. It's going to always, always be a good game. It's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're right, going to get. Right, but you do know you're going to get something fierce. Uh, we beat them twice this year. We lost them in the first contest in a shootout. That's when we were going through our never win in a shootout phase. Thank God we just <laughs> gave up shootouts after that and decided if we're just going to win or lose before OT's right. done. I like, uh, it. I, make, like it. I just like to want the winner. I can't deal with the stress I of know. a shootout. Shootouts and suck. thank God in 13 more games we won't have to worry about the shootout. I know. We have great endurance. Continuous we can go to ties. We cannot handle one shootout. Uh, but like I said, it's Hard to tell. Toronto's third in the Atlantic, seventh in the conference, and twelfth in the league. So they're allegedly good. Their last ten, they're four, five, and one. I feel like Toronto is their own worst enemy. I agree. Do you? I, agree. I feel. And I gotta be honest. I'm starting to question their GM, who's supposed to be so smart, Mister. Here's some analytics. Your team can't get their own head out of their own ass for a long enough time to really make an impact on how good your team is. And at some point. Toronto's coming for your head. The fans are coming for your head because you're the GM. They're not going to kill Keith yet. He just showed up. Shanahan, everybody loves Brandon Shanahan. So even if maybe some of it is present, I actually feel like if they left Shanahan as GM, this wouldn't have been such a problem. But that's just my own personal. I feel like when... Why? Because he plays the old school type of role and not the new age well, I, I uh, think for him, Well, I think for him is like Brandon Shanahan's one of those. He's definitely the old school player. But skill-wise, he's like we talk about with like Don Sweeney. There are some people that also could have played in this generation. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That yep. they... The way they see things. I mean, no, Shanahan is smart. He's a... He was a badass, but he was also a badass off- yeah. on the offense, He's, too. He was the all-type all type player that you wanted on your team. Right, and not perfect. I mean, he certainly could be dirty and do whatever, but I feel like he started Skilled. with a vision on how to rebuild this team, and they didn't. it wasn't happening fast enough. So, like, the Bruins, we've given Don Sweeney lots of time. Cam's been patient. Let him do his thing, right? Let it work out. They didn't really do that with Shanahan. It was like they bumped him out of the position because, you know, it's a good old boys club, although white owners and stuff as such and NHL, you know. But to me, I think Toronto, they need to figure it out. Because you know what? At some point, there's going to be too many egos and not enough money to pay them all and you're still never going to win the freaking conference or whatever. And the Toronto fans, I don't think, can handle much more. I know. But at the same time, that's why I want them to not make the playoffs. I'm a huge fan. Because I want to see what happens if Toronto doesn't make the play. Imagine if Toronto, Ottawa, well, obviously Ottawa's not making playoffs, but uh, although they're keeping themselves, you know what I mean? They're like, yep. at least we're not Detroit. Um, but imagine if Montreal didn't make it, Toronto didn't make it, and Ottawa didn't make it, and we don't know who's coming out of Vancouver, Calgary, or Edmonton. All three of them probably are not, right? Could you imagine the meltdown that would happen between just between the drive from Montreal and Toronto, which is like a three hour drive or whatever. The The build up. Yeah. Oh God, I kinda like it. Okay, that's mean of me, but I'm a mean girl. What do you want from me? That is the upcoming games. Bet online AG. Go bet. Yes, yes. And use code C L N S fifty. Okay, that's weird. uh, we're going to take a quick break, uh, and right after the break, we're going to talk to a good friend of mine. He's been a diehard Bruins fan for a long time. His name is Lance, and he's from Nashville, New Hampshire. Uh, we had some uh, a good talk with him um, about how he feels about the uh, current status of Bruins Nation and wh- how far we can go in the playoffs. Uh, more or less, this was a, 
a test because we do want to have, like I mentioned earlier, we do want to have more interviews from from writers and TV personalities, but we have to get through this this terrible audio issue that we are having. So uh, Lance was kind enough to uh, lend us about 10 to 15 minutes, uh, but we will get to that interview right after we hear from the great folks at College Hockey Inc. Uh, follow them on Twitter at College Hockey and uh, listen to their awesome, awesome podcast that they do a very good job. Just on. listen to the pre- playoff preview yes, last that, night. Yeah, that was really good. Um, but we will be right back as we uh, get ready for my friend Lance and uh, the interview with him talking about uh, Bruins fans and expectations. So, Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Nick Bukestad. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! David Backus. And Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! And as mentioned on the Black and Gold Hockey podcast, we do have a special guest, and uh, I'm very thankful for my friend Lance, and he's calling in from Nashua, New Hampshire. Lance, how's it going? It's going great. Good, good. Uh, just wanted to, like, number one, we want to get more guests on, so I needed somebody to do a test, and I really appreciate this, but I thought while we do this, we talk a little Boston Bruins hockey. So um, how long have you been a fan, and, and um, your thoughts on the season thus far? Well, I was born in 1970. And three months after I was born, I was bouncing on my daddy's knee when Bobby Orr scored the goal. So you can pretty much say I've been a fan since birth. And uh, I, there's, been, there's been no other team that I even cared about than this one. You know what I mean? And uh, the history and everything else that goes along with it. And that was it. I was, I was basically a better fan since birth. Nice. And thoughts on, the, uh, on your uh, – late or mid-June last year and then going in, and going into this year, um, you know, obviously losing the Stanley Cup in a tough seven-game series to the St. Louis Blues. But um, how do you think the team recovered uh, moving forward into tw- uh, nineteen twenty? Well, I mean, just basically on the stat sheets and anything else you look at, they recovered pretty well, seeing as how they have the best record in the league. And they've made adjustments to the lineup and they've brought in the kids from Providence in sporadic areas where they've needed them to fill in and they've, they've rebounded well. And they've actually answered some of the questions that happened in June because they unfortunately got kind of tossed around by the blues a little bit and uh, they've addressed some of those things. And I honestly think that we're in better shape this year because of that, because we have the guys like Lausanne because I love Lausanne. And he doesn't back down from anything. And he's in there and he's developing. You can just tell by his play that he's a pro. And there's no reason for him to ever have to sit down unless he's injured, as far as I'm concerned. You know what I mean? And with Richie coming in, that brings another big body. And he obviously loves to bang around. And that will definitely help things out when we stop playing all these teams that are bigger than us. You know, per cap, per man anyway. But the caps. And if it gets to we see the blues again or things. and even. Tampa Bay, they kind of tried to beef their up their lineup too. And I think that we can, we're better 
ready to handle something like that now than we were last year. I was going to actually ask you that, that obviously trade deadline is always contentious around these parts. No one's ever happy with what happens or not happens, but um, I know it's a very small sample size still at this point, but what do you think about uh, the other Richie brother and uh, Kasha joining the team? What do you like and what are you a little struggling with so far with what you see? Well, as far as Kasha goes, I've seen enough Anaheim games when he was there that he's obviously talented and he has a lot of good offensive skills. And I think eventually him and Krejci will get that chemistry going on. And I really think that that will help. But the biggest thing that happened at the trade deadline that will help this team, not only for this year, but years down the road, is we got rid of the backers contract. That's going to help this team more than anybody can realize because now we've freed up so much cash space and, and Heinen for that matter. Because Richie only makes about a million and a half. Heinen was making close to three. So that frees up money there too. And we still have to sign Krug. We have to sign DeBrusque. Maybe Halak if we're going to go that way. It depends on whether or not the goalies in the system are ready to come up. And it just frees us up to actually keep this going a little while longer. Because I do agree that the window for this team is closing with the ages of some of the, of the core guys that we have like Bergeron and and, and Rask, Rask, I mean, Rask is still fairly young as far as goalies go, but the core is starting to age. And I think with what we have in Providence now and with the cap space that Donnie freed up at the deadline, we can still keep this going for at least three, four more years anyway, if not longer. So I'm hoping that's what happens. Lance, uh, um, with the mention of Tory Krug and him having to be signed, um, what's a comfortable number for you, term and money-wise? If he would go six by eight, I think that would absolutely fit. He did, well, we'll put it this way. That's for here. Out on the open market, you know somebody will overinflate his pay and give him that ridiculous kind of money. But around here, I believe six by eight would be enough to keep him here. And I believe it as far as what he brings to the table, being the power play quarterback and the guy that's, I'm sorry, 50 to 60 point defensemen don't grow on trees. Yeah, we've and, been saying that all season. And so you don't let somebody like that walk. And I honestly think, because he loves it here, and I think 6 by 8 will do it. I'm hoping, I'm hoping he doesn't get more greedier than that, and I hope his agent doesn't screw it up by saying, no, we want 9. Because, honestly, I think they may do it just for the sake to keep him, but I think 6 by 8 will keep him here. I'm hoping anyway. Uh, I guess I one of my big questions that we – we don't usually talk about it on air, but we often say, like, you know, what would you give this team for a grade right now? The playoffs start. We have 13 games less left after last night's game versus Tampa. Overall, what grade would you give this team for how they played this regular season? And uh, how do you think maybe we're going to come out of this uh, Eastern Conference in the playoffs at least? Because the matchups are starting to look a little – tight. I know I'm getting nervous. I don't want to see Philly in the playoffs at this point, the way they're playing. So just kind of overall, what would you give our team and even maybe Don Sweeney GM in this team over this last season, last year or so? And where do you think we're at going into the playoffs besides being number one? Well, as far as Don Sweeney goes, A+. plus. The way he's managed the cap after the hell that Peter Cirelli put us in, he gets an A+. plus. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's why he won the award last year, and he should win it again this one. Um, the team, I'm not going to give any team an A+, because no team's perfect. But this team, 
they're a B plus, A minus. No ifs, ands, and buts. They're number one in the league. They rebounded from what could have been a catastrophic emotional depression from the, what happened in the cup last year. And they came right out the gates and they've been, they've been on it all year long. They've had some, they have their dips, but that happens to any team. But overall, we're, the, we're number one in the league for a reason. You know, um, the secondary scoring it early in the year was a problem. It's starting to come around now. Charlie Coyle is going to hit probably 20 goals. Tabrasco hit 20 goals. Krejci will probably end up with his, his normal 60 points. And, you know, like uh, Anders Bjork has gotten better. He's had his, his dips and everything else, but they've gotten better. And even the fourth line, with the way the fourth line's been shifted around all year, it's still, if you don't have your Corrali, Wagner, and Nordstrom, you can slip in a Lindholm. You can slip in other players into that role, and they all fit right in. It's almost seamless. Whenever, even if we have an injury, it's almost seamless with whoever it is they bring up or have to, or that, the black aces that they bring in. It's a seamless transition, so they don't really lose all that much. The only problem that I have with this team is I know John Moore is a, is a serviceable player. I get that. He is. Just not here. Like last night, for instance, what I would have done is I would have brought Paul Lausanne up with Krug and let Moore play with Grizz because Krug and Moore didn't work last night. You could see it the way they played. They were, they weren't, there was, wasn't, there was no flow when the two of them were on the ice together. Yeah, they were too, they were way too committed and uh, they were leaving guys unattended right on front of the net and you can't do that. And not to mention, they didn't come out of the locker room last night either. It didn't yeah. get until the melee started. They weren't even in the game until that point. But uh, but that's why I mean about Lozon. That guy is a player, and he should be absolutely never not be in the lineup. He's proven it with his play. I, I, that's how I base all my evaluations on any player that we bring up from Providence is how does he play when he's up with the big club. And Lozon has not – they haven't missed a step since they brought him up. And he has the willingness to stick his nose in there, defend his teammates if he needs to. He's physical. And I know from watching him in the queue, when he was in the queue, he has offensive skills. He really, really does. He's got a good shot. He, know, he makes good outlet passes. And I think we've got a diamond in the rough with him. Oh, that was my... Go ahead. You go. No, you go. Uh, uh, <laughs> so... Uh, Lance, as as we um, wrap things up, we got a couple more minutes to go. Um, realistic expectations for this team moving forward. I know we're in first place and so on, but the uh, the playoff path is not going to be as easy as it was last year with uh, Tampa Bay being blown out. Let's let's hope it does. Uh, a, a lower team knocking out some of these high guys and letting the Bruins go right down the middle like they did last season. But realistically, I mean, do you think the Bruins have a serious chance? I mean, I know there's always room for improvement. That's why you don't want to give a, an A-plus grade, and I respect that because there's always that. I mean, even where I work on my regular 40-hour-a-week job, our metrics are at 99%. Nobody does 100% because we're always trying to work harder for a common goal. Where do you see this team realistically going at, uh, and how far? Honestly, we'll put it this way. The Eastern Conference, for whoever gets to the, the cup finals, it's going to be a murderer's role, potentially. 
because you're going to either have to go through a Washington, a Pittsburgh, the Lightning. Now, if they all get knocked out and we have the same quote-unquote cakewalk that we had last year, absolutely, I think we can get there and win it. But I don't think that's going to happen this year. So whoever does get through the East, and I do think we have a shot at it, as long as we can stay healthy and Tuka plays the way he can play and everything goes the way they should go as far as we go, I think we can make it. But you, and anybody that knows hockey, like yourself and your partner and anybody that really knows hockey, the East is a murderous row. So if you're going to get to the cup finals, you're going to definitely earn it because the West is weak this year. You know what I mean? Colorado's probably going to give to St. Louis all they want. But other than that, there's too many holes in the West. But the East is – just look at the point standing so far. Yeah. You know what I mean? We got not, we're approaching 100. Tampa Bay is probably going to get close to 100. Washington could get close to 100. Pittsburgh's going to end up in the 90s. They'll be lucky out West if you have maybe two, maybe three teams that get to 90 points this year. So – the, t- the key is getting through the East and how that plays out when the playoffs come because obviously what we saw last year, anything can happen in the playoffs. So, But if it comes to the fact that, we, that all the teams that are supposed to win do win, you're going to earn it to get there. Do I think we can do it? Absolutely. I see absolutely no reason why we can't. But it, you know, it all depends on how things play out. Do, but I do think we can get there. But – you know how the playoffs go. <laughs> Anything can happen. In- Different season, absolutely. That's why we love the playoffs, right? Oh, there's not a better playoffs in the world than the NHL playoffs. I'm sorry. Even people I know don't watch a single game are like, hey, when do the playoffs start? Everybody loves NHL playoff hockey. I guess my last question is this. Like, if we were giving out fan awards, which fundamentally that's what we all are, some fans, uh, who would you give this, I guess, is a two-part question. If you could give out the award for MVP of the team, who would you pick this year? And also because the seventh player award voting has opened up, which Mark and I talk about or whatever, who would you give the seventh player award to for playing above and beyond your expectations? Okay, MVP for the team. I would have to say right now, Pasta. You know, he's going to be the first 50 goal man we've had since Neely. And the dynamic way he plays and the lethalness of his shot and on the, on our power play, he's our MVP. If we didn't have pasta this year, I don't think we would be where we are right now. And that's fact. As far as the seventh player award goes, Brandon Carlo. Boom. Um, Boom. Shakalaka, my friend. Yeah. I'm sorry. We have our Z. We have our Z replacement. Brandon Carlo is right now, in my opinion, a top five lockdown defenseman. And he's only going to get better. He's only, what's he, 24 years old, if that? Yeah, right around there. Yeah. And, again, even this year, the offense is coming with him. He's got five goals this year. He's going to probably end up with somewhere around 20, 25 points. So, I mean, he's coming along to the point where not only is he going to be a lockdown defenseman, he could be an all-star. You know what I mean? And that's, that's my opinion on who wins the seventh player award this year. Awesome. Well, Lance, thank you very much for your time, my friend. It's been a no pleasure. Problem. I uh, enjoyed it, and, they, and I'm willing to be a guest whenever you want me. Awesome. Well, yeah. we'll, we'll definitely keep that in mind. Um, but this is, uh, this is important moving forward as, as technology is not one of my fortes to, in, in, this, in this studio. So, no, uh, right. we'll, we'll, <laughs> yeah, 
we're working things out. So if everything works properly and we start getting a little consistency, we'll, we'll start having more people on and possibly have some really um, uh, get, uh, good guests. I'm not saying that you're not a good guest, but uh, some- uh, uh, I want that award. Best guest yeah. award, Indeed. I want to go to me. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, so maybe if things go well, we can do another like 15 minutes right before the playoffs start once we know who we're playing for sure and uh, maybe get a preview. We'll make a, make a few predictions. Let me know, and as long as I'm available, I will definitely be available for the podcast whenever you need me. Awesome. Thank you very much, Lance. I really appreciate it, and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. No problem. You guys, too. Enjoy. Have a great show. I'm looking forward to the when, I, when you post it up to watch it. Awesome. I'll, re- I'll Thanks, listen man. to it either way. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, bud. All right, you too. And we are back after a, a great discussion with, uh, with Lance from Nashua, New Hampshire. We thank him um, and Susan for setting up the the connection uh, via video conferencing, and uh, hopefully the audio came out because it was a good talk, and and we want to continue to do these with other people too. So, um, yeah. So um, I want to just quickly give a shout out to the Boston Pride, the women's uh, yeah. national um, national team. Uh, professional women's league uh they are starting their postseason today at the warrior ice arena in brighton massachusetts they are taking on the connecticut whale and that is at 2 30 uh, you can check it out on twitch but i know by the time this gets out the game will be over but any, regardless you want to say uh, con- uh congratulations on a on an unbelievable season yeah they've ever and uh and hopefully they can uh, capture another isabel cup because uh that's i mean definitely the hottest team in boston right now so. yeah They're awesome um, go girls and it is it is international uh women's day so uh, hashtag international women's day i want to celebrate that and also mention that the uh the boston pride who are a fantastic franchise and a growing franchise and and a staple of of the league that is hopefully going to grow into something really good and get these girls these ladies i'm sorry paid uh, accordingly to what they what they should get you know these they they have second jobs sometimes they take six months out of their lives to do other things they have families they're um, trying to have families yeah, so and be able to afford that these athletes should really be paid accordingly that they can concentrate on 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 life and 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 family well but also hockey because that's that's the passion of their of their lives and they want to keep going and and the and the drive to do so has been unbelievable so Hopefully, uh, we see a championship in Boston. Yep. All right. So, let's get to some topics. Uh, we're, we're kind of running right through this this episode one thirty nine. I'm sorry, one sixty nine. One thirty nine. Wow. Uh, six months ago. Yeah, I know, right? Um, let's jump on the Brandon Carlo injury and thoughts about how it happened. Um, not a fan of of this, and I know that's been broken down and. And, and slow motion replay, and you can see, but obviously Brandon Carlo is a taller player to the opposing um, uh, Philadelphia Panther, yeah, the uh, Florida <laughs> Panther player. But the, the upward drive of his elbow into the face, I think was an unnecessary, and, and it went to a, a high point from the officials saying that they're going to do a lot, but then they, they conversed and then brought, brought it down to, so. Yeah. So this is basically what happened during, it was the second period, correct? Uh, 
Brandon Carlo gets elbowed in the head pretty significantly in what I personally think was a obviously dirty play, not in an, an intentional, you know, whatever. Uh, so the whistle was blown. Danzanov was a, assessed a five-minute major. They have to review majors, right? The refs go over. They review it, and they download it to a two-minute minor. Now, at the time, the refs are probably thinking, judging by other elbowing incidents, I mean, Evander Kane two weeks ago went off about the, un, you know, the un, thinking there's probably going to be subsequent discipline from the league. They've done their job. Personally, I think it should have just been left a five-minute major. I think, intentional or not, anytime a player has to leave the icing, does not return to the game, it should be a major and a suspension all day. At least the major, or like where they downloaded it to a minor, you should get one game and suspension. And then review after. If someone cannot return to the game, one game suspension is warranted unless you can absolutely see it was incidental. Fit. Like the right. other day when Boychuk caught the skate, right? That, right. Was inci- that was definitely not an intentional thing. But the league, so Brandon Carlo has to leave the game and was clearly dazed and confused. A lot of times you don't see how concussed somebody, or I'm not saying it's a concussion, but one would assume anytime there's head in contact, the upper body injury, quote unquote, is probably a concussion. They've downloaded it. Carlo doesn't come back to the game. Misses yesterday's game as well. You know he's in concussion protocol. They suffered when they lost lost him in that game. The defense, yeah. Defense, like we beat Florida, but the minute Carlo was out of that game, yeah, it was you knew an how important struck. he right. is to that lineup. It just like you got to shuffle, people got to pick up time. You know what I mean? Like as well, you're much also as people, insert, you're also inserting a, a player like John Moore that's hasn't seen any game right. time for ten, ten, and, 10 and games. And that's one of the things I have. Like like John Moore is a perfectly good defenseman. He's not a superstar. He is not horrible. But you're only playing him every so often. And at his age, maybe he needs He's to a complimentary see piece. he needs to see a game a little more often going into these playoffs because what if Carlo isn't you know what I mean? Or yep. so let's face it, this team, knock on wood, notorious the defensemen start going down the three yeah. game you know. Uh, they all fall. I am very upset about this. For a number of reasons. First of all, the rule is something like, uh, I don't know exactly what it is. Look it up or listen to a podcast that has read the rule. I can't. But basically, if you get assessed an elbowing five, it's supposed to stand automatically. If someone is bleeding, just like a high stick, if someone's bleeding, you automatically get the double matching. Uh, Same kind of thing with elbowing has a similar rule. Like if there's blood, it's an automatic five minutes. But because of the stupid NHL rules, officials have to review a major. How you looked at that and did not let that five-minute major stand yeah. is beyond me. Carlo being tall has nothing to do with it. Because that means you twice as hard had to lift your elbow up, right? Because yep. he was pulling the puck, quote-unquote, off the boards. Really, I've watched thousands of hockey games from might level through professional you don't pull the puck off the board at that angle. That is a, you look and see where your opponent is and you plant an elbow into their face. That, to me. And I know this to be true and it's not just a Homer thing because I've heard it on other people's podcasts. Yeah. The Rangers, you know, I'm just like pulling teams yeah. out. But we, I listen, I'm like you, I listen to a lot of podcasts that are not Boston-based podcasts because I love hockey and I want to hear. There's, there's, there's a video of, of that happening to Brandon Carlo being hit. But he is on the receiving end of the hit, obviously. But he's looking down. 
he's got his stick near the boards and he's trying to move it. So naturally his elbow is up because he's so close to the boards that a smaller player ran in the back of him to make yeah. contact and the head was in the head was right. But that's, this goes back to what we said though. Head contact is head contact. Right. Right. And sometimes you're going to have incidental. Okay. I get that. I do think there should be discretion because sometimes crap happens and someone doesn't get hurt. But it's still a bad play. Or sometimes someone does get hurt, but it wasn't as bad as it, you know, thing. That is bullshit. Bullshit. And anybody around the league. So you think they're not going to, so whatever. Maybe we're Boston. I, I get like there's the twofold, like certain teams get protected, others don't. I'm telling everybody out there that's not a Bruins fan, the officials do not protect us. Sure, like everybody else, we get away with dirty shit all the time, but everybody does, okay? It's not a Boston thing. This whole league is turned into dirty little rat behavior because there are no enforcers to make sure everyone's behaving, and there are, you know, that's just my personal opinion. Yep. And what happens is you have a game like Tampa and Florida at the end of this week, shit flares up, and now you can't go back, you know, you can't ground the kids after you've already let them get away with it a hundred times, you right. know? Because in the end, they can drop you. Like We've had people attack officials this year. Um, I'm upset and it's not, I'd be upset if it was anybody and not just Brandon Carlo. I'm obviously particularly upset because he's part of my favorite parent. I think Brandon Carlo is irreplaceable mm -hmm. on this back end. Agreed. Okay. He's a young little stud. Again, everyone thought it was going to be all McAvoy and we kept saying, be patient with Carlo, right? He had yeah. a sophomore slump, yeah. but he's progressing the way normal kids do, right? It's bullshit because like we said, they don't give a shit about CTE and protecting people's heads. They don't care about sending the right message. They care about nothing. The officials don't even know how to do their job. And I'm not blaming just the officials. This is partly because they get handed these ambiguous, stupid, gray area, like whatever. But that one, that was not a gray area rule. There is a specific rule. The worst thing for me is, is that... This league continues to, like we talked about with an Evander Kane went off a couple weeks ago. Yep. It's sad when that's the MFR that is speaking the truth to the league. One of the dirty, I mean, again, super skilled player, but like dirty little bastard too, right? Yep. Like, not, not unlike Brad Marchand. I don't think Brad Marchand is as blatant as he is. One. But every team yep. has their little ratty guy. It is bullshit. Brandon, we don't know. He could be out two weeks. We don't know what's going on with him because the Bruins will never tell us what's wrong with anybody. They won't. They'll let us know once they're skating again what the injury was, right? But so you just set the precedent of you can take somebody out of the game. There was blood. There was all the criteria that usually would warrant five or a double minor or whatever. In this case, elbowing specifically has a minor and a major for a reason. There is yeah. no double minor for the elbowing unless right. there was something else. The officials, unlike everywhere else, where like the NFL official is going to come and say, okay, well, you know, whatever. The guy's toe was not on the, like, you know, to be out of bounds, your toe, one toe has to be in or whatever. Was on it. They explain it to you. Why they're overturning it. Why the call on the field stands. Because the, the NFL, for example, has figured out that if it's not, you know, whatever, egregious or whatever... How could you have looked at that review? First of all, you don't call a five-minute major just to call a five-minute right, major. You right. always call the lower penalty first, you know? Yeah. So the fact that your initial call was a five-minute major, you went and talked about it, decided it wasn't a five, that alone was where it was going downhill. Yeah. But for the league, this, I'm sorry, but you're proving fucking Evander Kane right. 
the inconsistency of that is the same, not the same player, whatever. But didn't Jeremy Lozon, another kid who didn't have a record right. or whatever, you first physical offense. first offense, he yeah. gets two games. Okay, fair enough, right? We're not saying he should. I mean, I think one game it's your first offense or whatever, given the fact. Right. And that was a game where the dude came back in the game and played that the was game. A stretch. Yeah, right. But now you have Carlo out with a major <laughs> injury going to play. You know what I mean? That. Yeah. I fucking hate the NHL, NFL. I hate them. I hate Gary Bettman and Bill Daly and all the motherfuckers who I get it's a business. And God knows Bill Daly knows way more about hockey that I don't. I don't personally think that George Peros knows more about things than right. fans do because I think there are a bunch of fucking white guy monkey suit men up there that don't give a shit about player safety and don't give a shit anything about their bottom lines. Well, here's a tip. You want to knock out all the top players on bad injuries? People aren't going to want to watch your sport. Right. Hockey needs to be tough. It needs to be fast, but it does not need to be asinine. Stop looking like a joke. Things like this make this league look like a joke. And here's a tip. That's why you can't get more people in the stands. That is why you can't grow it the way... It should be grown, not just the way that these fucking morons who are making all this money want to grow. Fuck China. Sorry. Sorry. How about let's grow it in North America? We're going to have 32 teams in two years. And you know what? Seattle's starting in a place where we have super crappy officiating, super stupid salary cap things. So why would you want to bring a team into this league? I wouldn't. And I love hockey. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry, but that I didn't mean to rant, but Inga has been fucking holding that shit in for two weeks. Two days, three days now. All right. Yeah, she's fired up, boy. No. Like, do you not? Do you not agree? I almost got punched. You almost got elbowed? Yeah. But I, we're going to downgrade it to a two-minute minor yeah, because who cares? There's blood and now you're dazed and confused. Talk about penalties. I'm not going to be all going to work tomorrow. Well, I'm just saying, like, the, but do you not agree? Like, this I, is... I agree. I agree. I and do, what do they I do? Mean, they're like, instead of fixing these kind of issues, I mean, I know the meetings happened before. They're like, oh, but you know, we're going to... It's gonna... all about consistency and I'm I'm frankly getting tired of, of, of talking about it because it's just an ongoing thing that's never going to get fixed. They can sit there in their in their Boca Raton meetings behind closed doors and talk all they want, but until they can get consistency, I, I don't believe in the process. So. I think you know how we can do this is have the GMs, who a lot of them are former players at this point, yeah. they need to take out some of the higher-ranking members of the NHL because the teams pay their managers. It's not like they're right. working for the league themselves. I think uh, maybe if Don Sweeney comes up across the table and just takes fucking Gary Bettman out for all the bullshit, right? Right. I'm just saying. Just saying. Not saying you have to, Donnie. I'm just saying I know you're way tougher than Bill Daly and them, and uh, do it. Also, I just, I can't. (laughs) All right. uh, Moving on to the next topic real quick. Uh, President's Trophy curse. Are you worried? I hate the President's Trophy curse. I do not believe that you should touch, and I get it's a superstitious thing. No, it's not about about the touch. I don't, no, no. it, It starts with the President's Trophy. You don't want to touch the point total. I mean, I want us to be number one, but I also think you never win if you have the President's Trophy or you rarely win, right? Like, yeah, Chicago did it a few years ago, there's whatever, seven of, years there's, ago. There's a lot of people, folks, that say they don't want to win it because the, uh, I think, I believe... It's not good averages. I, yeah, right. I believe there's eight eight teams that actually have gone to win the Stanley Cup after winning it, and it's been around for, uh, it's it's not it's as like old. like 30 years Yeah, or it's not as old as, as a lot of people think that it is, yeah. but... Um, yeah, the averages are not good and, and people love numbers when they see the law of averages and, uh, they make their assumption on, we shouldn't win it and, and try to do something different. Laws of averages is that second 
the second in points usually wins the cup or something like that. Right. Just like even within the 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 conference, right? Usually number two ends up being in the finals. But I, I don't think I also don't think you should uh, touch the conference trophy. I think the only thing you should want to be near and not smelling the president. I know it's not like a real trophy, but you know that. Like, you don't actually touch it, but, like, if you get tagged with it, it's, like, right. something that you can't get rid of. It's going to follow you around all playoffs. And... I just want I, – I could give a crap about the trophy. Put the trophy aside. What I do want and, – and I'm probably going to get hammered for this because they didn't do very good in front of the hometown faithful. No, yeah. They're... But I do want home ice throughout the playoffs. I think that's still an advantage. I think that – this Boston Bruins team has learned a val- very valuable lesson to not let up at home. You had the opportunity, you had the momentum, and you couldn't get it done. I still believe that this team this season could benefit from that mistake. My problem is uh, our home fans, because that was what I was thinking, is what the sense of having home advantage. Like for me, in Game 7 last year, and granted I couldn't afford to go, so I was not in Boston, I was here 40 40- minutes north you know what is the point of being in that I honestly think if the crowd that was in the garden everybody not just like some people I mean I'm not saying there were plenty of you in there cheering your heads off screaming when your team is down in a critical game like St. Louis know how they kept themselves in it because their fans when they went home even when they lost on their home ice were loud and they made sure that you knew Fans are only a factor if fans make themselves a factor. And too often when we're at home, we just sit on our hands as fans and like whatever. I'm a yeller. I yell the whole game. We could be losing by six goals. I'm still going to be yelling like whatever. Home advantage is only worth it if the fans are going to make the home. The advantage isn't being on your home ice. The advantage is your crowd gets to make the noise, just like in football, why they have to wear the earpieces because the crowd. Right. If you're not going to get loud, and I truly think had after Marchand, whatever the line shift, and we went into Uh. period two. No, I'm just saying when we went into the second period, if the crowd was as explosive as you should be if you are trying to win game seven at home and like not on our ice kind of feel, that changes the team. Teams really do feed off the crowd. I get you can't really hear what people are saying when you're on that ice, but you see the energy, you see the smiles, you see the excitement, and that pulls you the f- up, yep. and it makes you hustle. And that doesn't happen. Like, we're so defeatist in Boston that, like, you know what I mean? We're just like, ah, of course, game seven, that Marshawn's going to do a bad line change and fucking all that. That's how we are. We can't go there 60 more minutes of hockey, let's scream and yell and tell them it's okay. Like, you know... So that's one of the things that makes me nervous about home field. I don't think we're very good hometown team some fans sometimes. Yeah, no, that's true. You see the the crazies come out. Um, Crazy. Moving on to another topic, uh, Boston Sports Journal's Connor Ryan uh, mentions in a tweet this morning or last night, I'm not quite sure um, which one, but the Bruins have lost 245 man games due to injury. What? Do you see happening for future load management with um, 13 games remaining in the regular season? Do you see core players rested and given opportunities to younger guys in Providence that are able to come up uh, without with a waiver? The whole waiver thing is, is weird to me because you can call up four players without waiver priorities um, post NHL trade deadline. I don't know. Somebody tried to explain it to me, and it still it still made no sense to me. But 
Um, like everything else in this league, it's convoluted yeah. design, so you don't know. Is that, I mean, are we at a, 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 a seven-point gap? Is that comfortable enough for you to, to do a drastic move like that and get and get corporate layers rested? Um, I kind of go both ways on the rest. I think sometimes when you rest, it can also be a detriment and like maybe... Um, I get like the players that play all the time, but at the same time, you don't want to blow seven points. Like seven points isn't still so, we had 12 points last week, you know? So it's like, this is the nitty gritty of it. Um, I think that the way our schedule is spread out, it's not like in the last couple seasons where we've been so compact, there's no room and you have to rest people. But like, if players are feeling good, and they're playing all right and no one's seeming overworked. I would say just let them play and just keep. Yep. I mean, we keep hearing how tired that St. Louis and Boston should broken, be. It's not broken, don't yet. fix it. Right, but Boston and St. Louis keep playing and they keep winning yep. and they keep being number one. Like, you know? Yep. So just for our team, I mean, it depends. Like, if Bergie's groin's, like, you know, feeling like he needs an extra rest. But then you look at, like, and we'll get to that, like, with the milestones. But then you look at Pasternak. If you rest Pasternak you might risk him being able to get his 50 goals. Yeah. He would be at his 400th game as a Bruin if You're you can get 80 games You're taking away the most in. lethal thing on your power play. This is the healthiest he's been. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, we don't know what's going on with Brandon Carlo. You can't... Now you don't have the option to rest Z. Right. We need, you know... So for me... And he'll go kicking and screaming or anyway. Or even, even, even with the goalies, right? Like, they've been still tandeming all year, and everyone's like, well, when is Tuka... Well, maybe he's never going to. Maybe we're just going to trust the first, second week of April that Tuka can play one, two, three, and be fine. And if not, then we can switch him out for Yarrow, yeah, you know? Like, for me, resting is weird. I think you need to rest up for a long run, but I also think if you punch a hole in the wild card and four straight in the first round, then you can have all the rest you want. But I also don't like that in the playoffs. I think you actually do better if you play five to six game series the whole time, enough to rest but not get one. What do you think? What I don't know. Like resting is weird. I don't think you should rest them just for rest sake. Uh, yeah. I mean, it depends. I mean, I'm fully on board with what you're talking about. That if it if it you know, if they're playing well and they're feeling up to it and they're not saying, they're not physically showing where, then, yeah, I could see that. But if it warrants a, a day of rest and viewing from the ninth floor, there's nothing wrong with it just to get that. I mean, there, there are back-to-backs <clears throat> coming up this week, which is another good opportunity to get players involved. But, like but then you if said, you look at that last, and, like, we do have a, two games in April or whatever, but... If you look at the lap from the 22nd through the 31st, we've only got four games. So that's right. plenty of rest. Yes. You know what I mean? So yes. it's weird. I don't know. I think it's like the fourth and the sixth. I have the last one for the last two games in April. So it's like, it's that's what I'm saying is like, look at it because the last two weeks is kind of light for us. Yeah. The last two games are against St. Louis and Carolina. And then the playoffs probably don't start until Wednesday the 8th or something like that would be my guess. It's usually That's like Wednesday and Thursday yeah. is when they start them. So, yeah. I mean, looking at our schedule, I think there's plenty of built-in rest time. But again, you look at individual players. If you have nagging, especially the players you you can't not have on the ice, right? Yep. Uh, then it is what it is. I also don't want to risk, like, seven points isn't a lot and like, where you might land. And I'm not saying I don't need to win the President's Trophy, like, if we were to, as long as we're not playing fucking Toronto. I'm cool with that. True. Uh, so I guess that's just something that the trainers and the players, I do think players should have some input. I think you should always tell a player to sit if they're that hurt. You know what I mean? Yep. Except for, obviously, in the playoffs. Especially hockey players, because 
they literally could like have their whole entire arm hang off and would figure out a way to pretend they weren't hurt so that they could go out there like like no i'm fine coach you can't even grip your stick it's not broken like you know that's right so that goes either way with me go sorry all right another topic the gm meetings in boca raton let's get this one before our second break um there is going to be and, and what you were talking about, like with the officiating, why would you make changes to officiating mid-season or anything like that? This is another one that's just right up your alley. I'm sure you're going to get all whacked out about. Is the puck is for the first for the start of the postseason? There will be a puck that has a chip in it, and that is somehow going to determine. Whether a goal went over the goal line, or it's gonna it's gonna have uh, analytical um, you know stats that you can feed off of. Obviously, it's gonna have a trail, but not as bad as the nineties. The, the, the comet. Fox one. Oh yeah. my god, that was so. It's just gonna be like a gray thing for people to find it, but it will. It, I believe that the technology is now starting to take a bigger step in the NHL, and it's needed. Unfortunately, I think it's needed because of the gambling aspect, and you need to get things right. Um, but I think that the officiating, if you need anything consistency, you should work on the officiating before you look at the gambling side. This is what I'm talking about, the fucked up priorities, is you know, you and I both know that's for betting. It yeah. has nothing to do with making a better quality product. Right. It has to do with how many categories they can rape their fans of money without producing a solid, consistent product. That if it was going to be used to determine was the puck on, you know, like maybe you have the puck tracking and then obviously the player tracking is the other aspect of this, which they've kind of had in the jerseys and whatever. I just feel like this is one more fucking thing to make the league shitty. Like, I feel like even with puck tracking, they will still F up offsides reviews and they will still f off did it go in the net sensors will go off i mean did you see the stupid fast the accuracy shot it was a nightmare yeah. with the technology yeah they so should no go offense. back to the foam i you can't even get it five minute major elbowing call right as a league i'm not really feeling everything being tracked to these computers is a good idea also i think analytics is overrated yeah. the analytics are important but now you're analyzing for betting not for better quality the puck has been inserted into nine NHL games this season without anybody knowing it. And I'm not going to say that he's being a crybaby or anything like that, but Sidney Crosby did mention something that it was a little weird stick handling with it. I'm not sure how you could really justify um, the difference in feel. I don't think it's that much heavier because um, it's a composite material with a, with a plating. I don't think, you know, composites are pretty pretty light, but I don't know where, where I don't know if there's a big difference or anything like that, but I think what's bothering me is this is a weird point in the system to implement it. Yeah. Don't you think you'd still just the last 13 games do a little more test run, start it in the preseason yeah. games so if anything yeah. goes wrong, it's the preseason, it doesn't really count, and then do a whole season with the technology. That way all the play- Now Sidney Crosby is probably being a babe, but Sidney Crosby also has some of the most elite hockey feel in the world. Yes, so, yes, incredible hands. Right. So I don't feel there's been enough sample. Nine games is not a good enough sample size out of, what are we at, 70 games or so. Every, today yep. will be the 70th games that Pleepo will play in or whatever. That's what concerns me, is the NHL makes all these brilliant moves without having any insight 
and they have no way to execute properly. At least at this point, I don't think they can barely, they can execute anything. At it's kind of like the TD Garden people that plan and their, and their the seating seats, arrangements. Right. So this is what concerns me. The fucking playoffs is not the place to implement this technology. Agreed. The preseason and everybody plays like six games. You could do it during the like prospect tournaments. Use those. You know what I mean? Whatever. Use them in some of the AHL games. Try it in the AHL playoffs first. I mean, I'm not trying to, I don't want it to be effed up for them either, but like the stakes are a little lower. Like, no offense, the whole world is not watching the AHL playoffs, right? NHL fans are watching. And if you, maybe you're a super Russian person and one of your people are there. Here's the messed up thing about it for me. Yes, I want to see this move forward, obviously, and get get calls right. We'll see what happens with that. But, and I get the safety issues too, but I believe that there will be a netting all the way around the rink to keep those pucks in and on that ice surface because they're expensive. They're like $3,000 or something a piece. Yeah, they're expensive. So um, are they going to have like puck watches that go out and say, here you go, kid. Here's a puck. We need that one back. I don't believe the NHL or individual arenas are going to pay for that type of policing. Yeah. So you could definitely see um, uh, uh, the middle portions of, of um, the neutral zone um, netted up to keep those inside. And uh, I mean... You got to give to get. I understand that, and, and you know, unfortunately, with the end nettings, we haven't seen any any deaths. And unfortunately, I remember that little girl in Columbus mm-hmm. that was terrible. Um, the nets came up. It's an inconvenience, but it seems like everybody got used to them. But this is also something that if it goes all the way around, now everybody's going to get three sixty view of net. I think it's the type of net though that the arena uses. Like the one they use at the garden, it's pretty easy to see through. Yeah. You don't it doesn't really distract you. It's kind of like that weird like it's a good clear kind of black netting. Yeah, yeah. Like so I think that some arenas though they have some weird netting that it's hard to see, but I think safety should be first. That's my thing though, is I feel like this this league has so many more important things to deal with than puck and player tracking. Right. And that's the sad thing is that they really think this is way more important than fixing rules correctly or training officials correctly. I just, I don't get it. I do not understand. It's like having a bunch of high school athletic directors running one of the most important sports sports things in the world. That's nothing against athletic sports people, but again, maybe you coach your, you know, you run your local high school team and not be used athletic to program for a reason. And I just right. hate you, stupid. NHL. Staying on the uh, GM meetings, offsides is now going to be breaking the plane and not having to skate on the ice. I think this is a tremendous step forward. Um, but doesn't the... really kill the gray area. Well, because it's going to still depend on the angle of whether you can tell if this. <laughs> Maybe something with the analytics and 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 um, uh, puck tracking will have something to do with that, but um, I like it. I think it's going to move things forward. I don't think there should be offsides. I think if you are clearing, yeah. if my thing is like okay, so say I'm just saying like in most situations going to be we're in the zone, the, the the puck comes out right. So you're at the blue line, you're holding the puck. You got to wait for me to clear back out before you can go back in. At the speed and the rate, if I'm coming back out and we're all going to clear and no one clearing is touching that puck, 
Why can't once your teammates are within a stride or two of the blue line, you start entering the zone? What's the worst that happens? You're going to get stripped of the puck because it's just you? Right. That, that's what concerns me. Or like the Corrali one when it was like the quarter inch. Like, these are not goals that should ever be reviewed. A quarter inch, two minutes late, like... This solves the immediate problem of a thing that was called three games ago. But the overall problem of the offside rule is still not solved. Okay. Uh, salary cap. Salary cap is uh, rumored to go to at least $84 million to a max 88 That is huge. If that goes 88 that's going to be a huge, huge factor in... in this team moving forward along with everybody else in the National Hockey League might create a little bit of uh, animosity to the lower teams that are trying to continue to uh, to take on bad contracts to meet a certain level, yeah. the, the lower limit. Um, but obviously if you want to address a need on the right side, like this Boston Bruins team continues to you know, have a need for, you create a little bit more uh, space to address uh, free agency. You know, if uh, they don't win the cup this year, you can go for it next year. So there's a little more flexibility, but also creates more time to sign players like Tory Krug, uh, the Grizzlicks, and Jabroski, and so on. Thoughts on um, a higher cap? Yeah, remember how there was going to be a higher cap last year? Only it was like seven hundred thousand dollars less. Yeah. I'm a realist, and if the cap goes up, it'll go up to eighty-four. And that will make up for the not going up the last three years, really. But it's been pretty stagnant the last couple of years. Yeah, but but after this coming season, that TV deal is now in effect, which you could see another significant increase in the salary cap. Let's be honest. Because now it's on American dollar. It's not based on the Canadian dollar and American dollar. But they won't do that. That's based on the fact that these idiots will make a good decision with their contract. These are the well, it's morons. All about escrow. They signed, right. So escrow really just fucks everybody in the end it anyways, does, right? It does, it's actually. not like it's, so who cares? So now it's an 88 million. So then escrow goes up and you're really still only playing with the same amount of real dollars that people will be earning for a salary. Yep. Um, I don't trust that these, these idiots that make these decisions aren't going to re-sign with NBC for another six-year freaking contract and still have no game. It doesn't make sense to me. Like nobody wants to show up. That's bullshit. Everybody, it gets good numbers when you put it on national TV. I'm not saying they're going to come out the gate and have NFL numbers, but they used to have better numbers when it, everybody had it on their local station because right. more people had access to it. Stop you know? blacking out. Yeah. That that pisses me off. There's a lot of Bruins fans that are, are worldwide, mm -hmm. and in certain areas, their game is blacked out because they're getting something else. I think that's wrong. Yeah. It's even happening when that. you pay them, too, for packages. They yes. still do it. Like, oh, I know. That's I know. bullshit. Um, can we be realistic? This cap is not going up to $88 million. You don't know that. You well, don't I, know I'm that a for a fact. Of history and... Well, trends. I get it. Okay, I understand that. But I'm seeing the trends of the current um, agreement going away and better opportunities happening with dollar values that are equal when you operate out of the United States office and, and that's everybody's salary is on the dollar value and your deals weren't made with a, a company and then oil prices tragically freaking plummet. I think that it's going to be a good thing. I think that you're, 
I don't know. I think that you might be just... I could be wrong. I could definitely be wrong. We could actually see it just another million come on. And I, then... I would be shocked to see it to go up to 84 million. Okay. I guess we'll find out one day before the draft day because yep. they have to right around there. Then. Well, they they have to, but you remember the delay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they delayed yeah. it like four days, which screwed everybody else up. Yeah. All right. Um, we're going to take uh, another break. We're going to hear from the great folks at the store next door. Please go to the store next door dot ca. These are um, great people with disabilities, and and, the, and these folks in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, they give these guys jobs because their lives are meaningful. So. Uh, it's a great thing. They make great products with uh, recycled hockey sticks. And, and it's just an unbelievable thing. So go check them out. TheStoreNextDoor.ca and we'll be right back. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs. One stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. All right, we're back. We're going to wrap up these GM meetings. First, I'd like to say, I know I'm very angry today, Mark. You keep looking at me like, why are you so angry about the salary cap? Don't you want it to be $88 million? Of course I it's, do. That's Tory Krug's money, and then Donnie can just have the easiest free agency season. It's not the points you're making or your opinions gathered. It's the dodging the punches over here. You're scaring me, girl. I just think. But obviously, that's if it would go from... 81 to 88 great that's Tory Krug's fucking money and then we don't have to worry about Tory Krug and then you got plenty of money to sign everyone else including if you want to keep Yara right because yes. Swayman's moving up then we'll have two awesome people coming ready to bump up right yes so I just want everyone to know obviously I'm not going to be pissed off if it's an 88 million dollar salary I just don't trust these jerks obviously okay a couple more things emergency backup goaltenders uh, GM's decided um, this is not that big of a deal. So yeah. it only happens every now and then. It's pretty awesome when it does. So let it just go. Okay. Yes. Since it's been involved, it's been two, two yeah. players. So. Two players in the last like five years. Yeah. And then before that, it was like four years before that. I mean, it's only happened a handful of times since they instituted not carrying three gold, you know. Right. I personally, and like then the people start to be like, oh, they should just carry extra goaltenders. And then you have less of a roster spot. It's stupid. Let the Zamboni driver or the accountant or the fucking pizza guy on level have three. Have moment. I mean, we got the guy that sings the national anthem. He pulls pints. If we need to, maybe we'll pull him out, put him in that. I don't care. The like, league's gained so much traction on this story. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You know what I mean, they're actually making positive um, news about this and it's and it's blown up so I think it's awesome feed off of it and then the person gets two weeks of fuck fame right I mean that's yeah. the least you deserve you have to resurface the ice for all these people all the time or whatever uh, I just so the GMs agree that there is more important pressing things going on with that uh, also a couple other things I talked about the bye week about how it's stupid that 
everyone's always shitty right after the bye week and some people come back before on the bye week because it's not like it's even some teams are hot we talk about boston bruins we talk about this though like why can't we just shut down for the fucking week and everybody will have it you know whether that's around all-star week or christmas week and just pick a week where nobody's playing besides if there's the all-star game or whatever the winter classic whatever like it's just it can be fixed, but to make it fair, because it isn't fair. Some people come back two days before they've already played, you know, and you're rusty. Uh, also, there's a talk about the condensed schedule and how everyone hates the bullshit of the, we have plenty of time in the scheduling of like back to back and travel and this and that. And the way they're doing it doesn't make sense. And frankly, it's only going to get worse once Seattle's in there. So they got to figure out how to do that more properly. I personally think all the back-to-back should be earlier in the season and the second half should be. I I feel the first half should be the more condensed and then after like the all-star break, it should be a break much it more It's almost like giving players rest right. before and, the postseason. And that's how you can factor in just teams in general. I mean, So even, many avenues you got to travel yeah. for that too. Yeah. So you know, Scheduling purposes and that, shit. That's something that they'll be on. But uh, also, last thing, the NHL, uh, they had kind of talked about coronavirus measurements. I mean, if anybody out there, I mean, all we hear about corona, but like in Europe right now, like the Swiss Soccer League, they're not letting fans in the stadium for two years. So the two weeks, so there are players there playing was, professional games. There was a Canadian and, and um, I believe an American women's game that yeah. was canceled. Um, or they weren't, they were going to play it without fans. Yeah, because that's sure. what they're saying, to not bring people in. Um, and now they're even talking about, like, like the, the Summer Olympics are being, could be affected by this yeah, whole thing. Yeah, uh, Tokyo, well, it's not in Tokyo, but Japan is right. definitely, I mean, and they're kind of right by there, but we don't know where we'll be. This could be the first Olympics that has to get canceled over a pandemic. That's uh, crazy. Not war or anything else, a pandemic. Uh, but the NHL, uh, you had said yesterday, they're looking at maybe not letting the press... Yeah, they came out. They came out yesterday in the in the news, and it, it was it was actually brought up on uh, the pregame um, on the Bruins broadcast by Dale Arnold that the NHL is has been advised by the CDC to um, limit or shut down um, media availability post game. Um, so that kind of Put a little some folks up in up in arms. Hopefully, they understand that uh, this is something that needs to be nipped in the ass as soon as possible because it's a worldwide thing, obviously. And um, you know, we understand that your jobs. I'd probably be saying differently if I was in there all the time um, interviewing players with credentials in the NHL. Mm. I think I'd be the same, but as of right now, I'm not. But I can actually absolutely respect that. You want to keep everybody healthy, and the in the human element oversees the the game of hockey at this point. Well, so. I feel like you know how to protect the NHL from coronavirus. Don't go play games where there are hotbeds of coronavirus right now. That's true. Um, I was going to say there are ways to get around with the press, though. You too, you could have them submit questions and then just have somebody who's going to be around anyways. Yes. And have players do written statements or yeah. have a team. Representative videotape any responses to questions. You you can do the webcam, press webcam webcam interaction yeah. and and, yeah. and you know split. You're in between a wall. Yeah. You know that can there happen. are ways there that, are ways to do it. So as of now, it's not mandatory. It's just more of nope. a suggestion. Uh, everyone wash your hands, and those masks aren't going to help you. Sorry to 
hurt your feelings. Um, I said jokingly at a pharmacy the other day, it said, sorry, we're all out of hand sanitizer and masks because people are hoarding them, obviously. And I go, oh, great. I was going to drink the hand sanitizer in an attempt. And now I'm just going to have to go the old fashioned way by trying not to come into contact with anybody with the virus. Uh, lucky for where I am. Although there was a there is one in the county next to us now. And I'm like, Wonderful. Um, all right. What's your next thing? That's the GM meetings in a wrap. Boca Raton, few days in the sun. Conveniently, Don Sweeney was down there anyways because the boys had two games uh, on each side of the state there. Yep. Uh, so GM meetings, psh, I'm sure we'll hear more brilliant yeah. things coming from there. Absolutely. When the Board of Governors meet soon enough. Go. On the, uh, the topics that I have, I wanted to talk about um, the Cassidy line shuffles. Uh, obviously, Jake Dabrowski is, um, is a player that is going to be um, highlighted on this one because of his demotion to the third line to work with Charlie Coyle and, and revolving members of the right side on that line. Um, I don't like the idea of, of, of DeBrusque going on his off wing. He just doesn't look comfortable. More or less, it's like me and my anxiety for, for Bruce Cassidy and his line juggling. Like when he puts Coyle on the right side of the second line, I, I absolutely have no idea why that happens. He looks like a deer in headlights. Doesn't look comfortable at all. Um, but this is very, very similar to that narrative of... Uh, of when it comes to comfortable and, and what you're seeing from a player, I don't want to see it. I mean, like if you, if you want to put him on the third line and still try to send a message that way, that's fine, but at least do it on his, on his strong side. In his position. So, yeah. I mean, if your whole goal is to light a fire under his ass and we've talked about this, we're not against like, sometimes you got to play the wrong, you know, your off wing or whatever it is. I think it's a weird message to say, now we don't even trust you as a left wing. Like now you're going to yeah. just, you have spent four years trying to train this kid to be your second line left wing, so why would you now make him your right wing on your third line? It's just weird to me. And and was this move, this move was like, uh, so Jay, so not Jake Zabruska, uh, Anders Bjork has been seating, uh, viewing from the ninth floor or whatever floor in other arenas, um, a lot more than I thought lately. By his absence off of the lineup, um, that makes now... Debrusque in an even more uncomfortable place to go on his off wing. I just didn't like it. I, Which is funny because they've mostly been playing Bjork on the left side on the third it's, line. That's makes no sense. But Bjork is the type of player that has seen consistent time on both sides of the right. wing. Debrusque has been yeah, a staple a, on the left, left side. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, just don't just don't get that. Uh, just you know, I'm a I'm a Cassidy fan. I think he's going to do very good for this Bruins organization now and in the future. But some, sometimes his decisions can be just mind-boggling. I think that this is just me. Again, I'm not Bruce Cassidy. He is way smarter than I am, and that is why he's paid to do his job, and I sit and talk to Hawk about hockey with you. But it seems to me it would make more sense to put DeBrus back with Krejci and with Kasha and see what magic can be worked over the next couple weeks. Because in the end, Jake DeBrusque is probably going to end up back on that left side next to Krejci. Especially at Bjork, they decide to insert him again, you know, and so that's just me. Uh, I get he has to see what he's got with the new guys, right? But, like, Nick Ritchie is not a second-line player. He's not. And also what concerns me is, although he is fast, and I'm not hammering the way some people are about the not, but the way this team is conditioned, 
you need to get in conditioning. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I, I'm worried about your ability to long term keep up with the Krejci's and the, even the Ka- I mean Kasha, and I think that they might have played a little together in Anaheim. That's yeah, probably why people so. are saying, yeah. uh, "Great, but this ain't Anaheim." So, whatever. Again, we'll trust in Cassidy. It is what it is. Uh, but yes, I, I'm always a little befuddled sometimes with. Not that we might not sometimes need to shuffle it up, but somehow how it shuffled up. But yeah, I thought it know? was thought it was kind of weird to put those guys up together. Obviously, Richie adds a little bit element of jam. I know he doesn't get into so many fights. I thought he was a fighter because I don't watch a ton of Anaheim Duck games, but seeing from his junior year, I just thought that he got brought up as being a tough guy. But he, you know, before he came to Boston, I, I it was rumored that he hasn't fought in two years. Yeah. Which, you know, whatever, it is what it is. But um, now that he's on this lineup, he's doing different things. Uh, you know, he's not letting, you know, people take liberties on, on Krejci and so on. He's getting right involved and he's, and he's you know, he's been a decent Bruin so far. I'm not saying that I'm absolutely in love with the trade or anything like that. He's just one of those lateral pieces that you you might need to make a championship run and if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't it's just it is what it is that's don sweeney in a nutshell you know but um yeah i i just want to see some more consistencies on on the line like we do on the first line with with bergeron and pasternak and marchand you know i just want to see those guys just just there's a revolving door on the on the three other lines below and it's just Sometimes I just think when when you don't get enough consistency and he mixes those changes, it takes him a lot longer to get that chemistry back because they just don't play with each other all the time and mess with each other. So I, mesh, mesh. I sometimes think it's better to leave it the way it is and let it struggle out the struggles. Yeah. But I also don't see all the day in and day. I don't get to be in the coaches right, meeting right. Like the decisions. So, right. um, but that does con- still consider still befuddles me. Absolutely. The last topic that I have is just a real quick one. Um, oh, actually, we got I got two. Um, Carson Coleman sent to Providence. Bruins activate Connor Clifton. Uh, um, obviously, this is this has definitely got something to do with Brandon Carlo being out and carrying on that extra defenseman that can go at a moment's notice. Much like John Moore, mm-hmm. although I didn't like the. I don't really don't matter if it was John Moore or it was Connor Clifton. I think they've both seen a significant amount of time outside of the lineup mm-hmm. that both of them could have had the same game as Moore did last night. Mm-hmm. They just got to get more consistent games, feel better about themselves, feel better about the group moving forward into the postseason, and if they're actually going to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see what happens. I thought Clifton was fantastic in last year's playoffs going through some injuries and so on. It happens. I understand that. But um, the Bruins are right up against the roster limit on cap friendly. Uh, I believe they're carrying 24 right now, but today and tomorrow are off days. Yeah. So you can go over, but, you know, once you, you get up, you it, yeah. drop it down. So it's, not, it's probably going to be another paper transaction. But Coleman did play in Providence last night. I did watch the game, and I thought he was okay, you know. But... Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it for that. Uh, remains to be seen if Connor Clifton gets any games. Uh, we'll see what happens, but should I just go right into my Providence Bruins spiel? Do you want to do that before we do all the Yeah, why don't I just take care of that right now? 
Um, the Providence Bruins have been trucking the Atlantic Division um, on the second part of this 2019-20 American Hockey League season. And um, they st- the, if, if you haven't been up to date, and I know we haven't done a prospect, uh, a black and gold hockey prospect report in a while because we do, we're dealing with some audio issues. Uh, and Tim Richardson and I will get back to it, if not this year, start, we're starting off fresh next year. But uh, the Providence Bruins in the Atlantic Division have played 60 games. They are 36-18, 3-3 with 78 points. That's second place in the Atlantic Division. Two points behind the Hershey Bears who have uh, 78. Uh, now they have 81. They are third place in the conference. Five points behind the uh, Red Hot Belleville Senators. They're on a 10-game winning streak. And they have points in the last 11 games. So... They've just been doing so, so good, winning games at the right time. Uh, Studnik has got a five-game point streak. He's got two goals, four assists, six points. Uh, Brendan Gauntz, this kid's been unbelievable. Signed to a one-year, two-way deal uh, during the offseason. He's gone on an 11-game point streak, seven goals, seven assists, 14 points. Uh, Solaric's on a five-game point streak. And uh, Josiah Didier, he's been playing very well, so... I just wanted to give a quick update on that. Team has been absolutely phenomenal. I've been watching them every game and reporting them about them on Twitter and even going down to Providence in the stretch to cover games as a press member and it's just been it's been it's been awesome to see this this team coming together at the right time and and seriously, I think that this depending on moves at the NHL level if uh Bruce Cassidy does want to uh, slot in some of these younger players to give some of these core members of the NHL club in Boston some more time off. You know, you could really line up oh, in the Black Aces. Who are you going to call up when you are potentially going for a call the cup run? Um, you haven't seen the Providence hasn't seen a call the cup since 1999. Mm-hmm. There's so many good things going on, but you know, it, it, in the factor that you you have to place in that. Even though you're having a really good season down at Providence right now and you're going for a championship, your goal is still to provide everything you have to the uh, NHL Boston Bruins. So, good things, but it's going to be tough to see what happens. Yeah. (coughs) I hope that injury doesn't, you know... I hope injury allows both sets to make a run because it's not often that you have... Both teams playing so well, you know, getting ready for playoffs in the AHL and in the NHL. Uh, so I hope that the uh, Providence Bruins have a nice, long, healthy run in their playoffs. Absolutely. They are on, they're on today, Sunday, March 8th. Um, yeah, it's the yeah. 8th. They're playing the Hershey Bears, who are in second place in the Atlanta division, so they can easily tie them or jump aboard and get even closer to the... Um, the top of the Atlantic and uh, close to the Eastern Conference um, front-running lead. So that's all I got on Providence Bruins. The goaltending, by the way, real quick, goaltending. Max Lagasse has been an unbelievable pro as a veteran. He's got great numbers. Um, but my my goaltender of the year has to go to Dan Vladar. He's been playing outstanding since he came back from a high ankle sprain uh, December 1st. And he leads the the AHL in goals against average and save percentage. So 
He's good. been fantastic. And I think the benefit of him working with uh, Bob Asenza and Mike Dunham while he was injured for six weeks on video, limiting his movements in the crease. He was like flaring all over the place. He's a big goaltender. So that's why I always thought that that's what they did. These two got together and went through massive amounts of video and broke it down saying you don't have to make all these moves. Just set yourself square and stay there. Let the play come to you kind of sort of, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So uh, he's been a huge benefit of that. It tells in his numbers. He's just a big kid that, that shuts everything down low. Good reactionary goaltender and starting to do a flip for me when in the prospect rankings when it comes to goaltending. I think now you're really looking at uh, Vladar at the top. Um, you look at Swayman at the second, even though he's still he's in his junior year at Maine. Yeah. And you look at Kaiser, who's who's um, coming back from a concussion, his third in two years, which is kind of concerning. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's he, he uh, per Mark Diver of the RinksideRhodeIsland.com, he was uh, reporting to Atlanta um, this weekend. And could get into games either today or Wednesday night. So we'll see what happens with that. But that's my kind of like little Providence Bruins report since we haven't done uh, some prospect podcast. So because you have prospect with Charles, I was. I, I love the prospects. I'm a big fan because you you've seen all the seven TVs I have in here. I watch I a lot of prospects. So. To me, so. All right, well, back to, let's see what else we have. I don't know. I keep losing all my stupid papers. but So we're just going to go through my piles of papers. Let's start with uh, Patrice Bergeron gets his 30th goal the last night or the other night, for Florida versus Florida. How many Florida. seasons at 30? So that's three out of four seasons, and a couple weeks ago we reviewed, but he's, he's had a lot of, uh, oh, that was when he was getting around 25, but he's had mostly around 25 seasons, but three out of the last four, he's got at least 30. Uh, I think besides... Bergeron's awesome. Like, everyone loves Patrice Bergeron. People might hate the Bruins and hate the city and thing. Nobody hates Patrice Bergeron. He is probably one of the most beloved players in the league by everyone's fan bases. Just even when people joke about, like, oh, with the Celtic and things. Such like, an ambassador but he's of the game. Ber- but he's Bergeron. You know, like, you hear that all the time from other places. Yep. Like, everyone loves Patrice Bergeron. So, congratulations. And I, I would like to point out that he gets these this consistency every year. And he's a guy that misses 20 games a year to injury on the whole. Yep. So that pretty much makes him that much more special as far as I'm concerned. Would you put him up for a Selkie this year? I think he should always be up for the Selkie. Nominated? Yeah. Think he'd win? I think so. I think his numbers are still, his assist goal, he's still driving that line. You know what I mean? Even with the people who are on him on that line, it's hard to get lost in the shuffle. But I still think, although I do think that, We've talked about this poll that passed him. We do a segment. Heather Selkie watch. Heather Selkie. Well, I didn't want to start getting into the NHL stuff yet because I care more about those way more than you do. And I thought it was too early. I, I thought maybe I'd start hitting you with that once we get to the postseason. See, she's very physical. Um. So yeah. <laughs> okay, check your ass. I'm gonna give you an elbow to the face, and if you bleed and get a concussion, I'm not even getting suspended. So it'll just be fine. Just give me a minor. <laughs> I'm just letting you people know ahead of time. I maybe can press record. Other than that, I don't know what goes on here. Mark does all of it. So, um. That being said, Pasternak's got 48. The chase for 50s on. Oh, man, that's so uh, close. It has only been done 11 times in Bruins history. The last time was Cam Neely in 93-94. I think we all know that. But Phil Esposito had uh, five in a row 
Uh, well, he was crazy. He had 76, 66, 55, 68, 61. He was Phil Esposito in the 70s. Uh, the cheap Bonnie, Johnny Boychuk. I almost said Bonnie. Sorry about that, Johnny Boychuk. Uh, good old number nine. He had a 51-goal season in 70-71. Ken Hodge did it in 73-74 with 50. Ricky Middleton uh, had his... I don't remember what year. Why can't I think of what it was? But he had a 51-goal season. I want to say it was like 86 or something, 87, something like that. And uh, Cam Neely had a 55, a 51, and a 50 in 89, 90, 90, 91, and 93, 94. I believe the 91, 92 is when he had his knee was all messed up and he didn't play. 50 and 50? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So... Uh, hey, that being gotta, said, Pasternak would only be the 12th season ever. If he reaches 50, we're not trying to curse him. If he doesn't get 50, we will love him all the same. But good luck, David Pasternak. Yeah, man, absolutely. What's up, guys? I'm not picking on you or anything, but do you say Boychuk or Busick? I don't know. I oh. meant Johnny Boychuk. Busick. Okay. Oh, because you know why I wrote Johnny Boychuk. Yeah, you see, you did <laughs> All right, too. let's start that again. The chief Johnny Busick. <laughs> there you go. Because I wrote down Boychuk because I yeah. had written down something about Johnny Boychuk. We're going to talk about him. Oh, my God. Yeah, we're going to go there yeah. in a couple minutes. So I'm sorry. I thing. totally effed it up. I you saw a word sorry. and you just went. <laughs> yeah, I just. I, I do it all the time. I was like trying to not read. Oh, my God. That was the word. I'm usually much better now at Now I feel words. bad for calling you out. And don't hit me. Thanks. No, I'm glad you did because <laughs> someone would say to you, oh, uh, you do know she said Johnny Boychuk oh, yeah. and not John oh, yeah. Busick. Okay, I do know the, the difference between. <laughs> Busick and Boychuk. I just have both the papers sitting here and saw both their names. See, because right. I got the... Yeah, so, yeah, well... Pfft. All right. <laughs> um, I guess before I start doing the around the league, this is where we sit, whatever. I would like to ask you, we asked uh, Lance earlier or whatever when you were talking to him. I asked him about if you could give out the team MVP and the seventh player, which, by the way, People's Seventh Player Award is voting if you are in the Boston area and you vote on these. Uh, seventh Player Award, if you do not know, is the person who has performed above and beyond expectations. Yep. So it just doesn't have to be set in stone. We're not casting actual votes. Um, so just any quick thoughts on who you might say is MVP and who is your... Well, I think we agree on the seventh player award, but... Yeah, I, I don't want to be so cliche and just always go and navigate to the MVP with, with goal scoring. Uh, Pasternak's been doing a fantastic job this season. Breakout year for him. Uh, he's be, just becoming world worldwide known... Uh, for his efforts, and it's just it's just increasing this year. But uh, I'm a goaltender. I'm going to say Tuka Rask for my MVP. I'm a fangirl. I'm going to say Tory Krug because he makes everybody look really good when he's on that ice. That's a good one. How about your seventh player? Let's say it together. My seventh player is definitely Brandon Carlo. Brandon Carlo all day I, I, long. I can't. I can't, I you know. Uh, there's there's so many other players that can be involved in it too, but... I think he deserves it, and and it kind of does trend on playing ability. It is a it, it's still a fan vote, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's also I believe some people have the mentality of voting for the guy who hasn't had it yet, and that still does uh, goes above and beyond. So you really don't see repeats. Yeah. On the uh, on the seventh player. So yeah, I think that Brandon Carlo is Brandon the blue line Carlo has been the most consistent person. Like, you get what you get with him. And he's been playing, you know, just as he should. You know, we're going in year four, play better, 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 you know. Yep. I think people forget how young Brandon Carlo is because he did come in when he was young, you know. His confidence as he gains more trust and experience from Bruce Cassidy and in the past injuries, 
he's trending in the right way of being a really, really good defenseman in this league. And as Bruce Cassidy said, I think you just mentioned that that he's he's vastly underrated. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that this is just gonna this is just a stepping stone for him. I think he's gonna get paid. You know, no doubt. And I think he's going to be that next big shutdown defenseman that uh, Zaino Chara was for so many years as a bigger body uh, player. Do you know what I was thinking? Because I prefer when there's a big body and a quick body. You know what I mean? Not that our big guys aren't quick or anything. I don't mean it that way. But I really think as much as everyone talks about Charlie McAvoy, if Krug stays, I think Carlo and Krug are your first pairing going That wouldn't forward. be bad. I'd- that wouldn't be bad. And I'd also like to point out that if you left them alone long enough, that remember Carlo and Krug used to be horrendous together. Yep. And I kept saying, if you just left them together a little bit, like they'll get a little more experience and they have been, the, they have been the, def, you know what I mean? Yep. Pairing all year long and please come back, Brandon. I can't have you out going into the playoffs. Yeah, hopefully he's not out for a long period of time. All right. Before we start going around the league, I have one more kind of specifically Bruins for a question as opposed to me just blah, blah, blahing. So um, we have had eight uh, fighting majors in the last 11 games. Uh, Wagner fought Athanaseo in Detroit. Lauzon fought Kachuk. Coyle fought Bo Horvat. Krejci fought Joe Pavelski, which was beautiful. That was awesome. Uh, Nordstrom took out Yanni Chris Gord Blackie the other day. Chris so much wood that day. Um, Nick Ritchie versus Riley Sherman this week. And uh, last night, uh, Wagner and Gaudreau went at it. And Maroon and Chara went at it. Again, another two like older veteran gentlemen like showing, come on, boys. Uh, that is not including. We have also had multiple game misconducts, things like that. So my question to you is, are we suddenly the badass big bad Bruins again, or are we spending a little too much time in the box? It, woo, it, well, let me put, that's a two-pot question right there. I know, guy. I'm breaking it down right now for you. Break I'm just it down, dude. stepping on that. Um, you got to stay out of the box, um, no doubt about it, especially this time of year. Uh, you have 13 games left in the season. Let's learn how to stay out of the box and benefit from um, taking advantage of when the opposing players in the box are in the playoffs and just crush them. Because we do have a, the, probably the best power play in the league. Oh, we did. I know. So, yeah, ultimately stay out of the box. Um, but when you consider yourself with the physicality, I think this is, this is a perfect time with 13 games to go to have that around. Um, and a lot of Bruins fans have, have been clamming about the the idea that this is the type of element that was missed against St. Louis last year. Now you're getting that jam back, and you're getting the physicality. You're getting emotional about games. I think that it's not a bad little thing to insert. I'm not against fighting. I can't stand no. people that say I am against fighting because I still believe that at the end of a game's buzzer, if you have four goals and your opponent has three goals, the guy with the most still wins the game. I still want to see that addressed, i.e. secondary scoring on this Boston Bruins team. I'm not the kind of guy that goes out and just goes, need a tough guy. And I'm not saying a tough guy as in a guy that's just going to sit at the bench, get five minutes of ice, and look down the, look down the other bench just to intimidate. I'm talking about a guy like Nick Ritchie. Inserting him into the lineup, Bruce Cassidy, I'm guessing, sat him down and said, listen, this is what we need from you, and this is what we probably missed out on during the playoffs. If you want to win here, 
Let's see what you can do with that big 230-pound out-of-shape body. I'm not saying he's out of shape. I'm, I, no, I'm he not. just looks at compared. He like, does, he's a big he dude. He moves. That's my thing is I'm not saying he's not bad. Like, and that's why I said. I'm like, I just feel like I'm maybe. I'm 227 pounds, and I still fly like the wind on the ice, but not at the NHL level. I guess for Nick Ritchie, it's more of just you need to be more Bruins condition because it's not like there I mean he's go. out of shape. Well it's said. not like. Well yeah, said. like I, it's just I think we have a particularly very in shape, like just they're beasts. So I don't want anyone to think we think Nick Ritchie is like, you know. I don't think he's like pulling someone out of 1985 that had 17 beers the night before. You know what I mean? Like, how can you not get exciting about excited about that game against Tampa Bay Lightning? You know, they they poked the bear and the Bruins gave it right back at him. Ultimately, the the mission of getting given it back didn't spark anything because they didn't win at the end of the at the end of the day. But they did provide some ember of hope. In the whole plan of of, of uh, getting on fire in that game and try to come back, you know. So there's there's some good and some bad things about it, but if you put it all together, yeah, I mean this could be something really nice. This is where I stand on it. I do like a good fight and I like violence. It's part of the reason I'm a hockey fan. Yeah, anyways. You see my office it looks like the Texas tornado came in I here th- with their flaring arms. <laughs> I think that you have to use your head though. You need to stay out of the box, but you also have to stand up for yourselves. And I feel like the last couple weeks, we're kind of walking the fine line between level-headed toughness and just like... Now, I absolutely all day long want a penalty if it means... If the refs aren't going to protect your teammate, you have to. I, I am all on board. I don't care what anyone... I am on board for that, okay? But I also don't need 35 minutes worth of major penalties going on True. in one game because once you get in... I think I said to you earlier, every minute we're in the box is a minute we can't be on the power, you know, the power play. Yep. And we have a great PK, but we've got Carlo out right now. We, you know, so I'm all for a stand up. I like a good fight. I'm still feeling just like delicious about Krejci punching dudes in the face, whatever. But even great last word. night, though, there was a couple other that they ended up getting roughing calls, but they could have easily been given five for fighting. And, the th- you know, I think it got to the point they were like, we can't put people, any more people in the box for five minutes. So, all right, I'm looking at the clock. We got our buddies thing in there. That's right. We got 10 minutes. We'll be done. So real quick, I just, everybody knows, but in case you don't know, uh, our old friend Johnny Boychuk took a skate to the oh island and very scary. It was accidental, completely accidental by a Turi, uh, Lake Honan, or was it? I can't read my own writing. Uh, anyways, versus Montreal the other day. Um, luckily, he is all right. Uh, Lou Amarello, who is always super warm and fuzzy, came out with a <laughs> statement on Wednesday. Johnny Boychuk is okay. Fortunately, the skate blade just got his eyelid, took 90 stitches for a plastic surgeon 90 to fix it. 90 stitches. He'll be fine. Uh, Boychuk uh, tweeted a little later and said, thanks to everyone for the positive messages and thoughts. I'm extremely grateful. Please know that they did not go unheard. Luckily for me, the skate only cut my eyelid. Sorry for the late response. Facial recognition wasn't working. That was my hilarious. Phone. Thank you for, again, my friends, Johnny Boychuk. So, if anybody can make a joke out of something so scary right. like that, it's, it's JB. So I'm glad you're okay. I mean, obviously that's scary. We've had a few skate incidences this year. We've all yes. remember goalie. The, there's yes. plenty of videos out there. Uh, I mean, I know even with my my might, I'm always like, stop moving when I'm doing your skates because it doesn't take much. You know, you can cut yourself just putting your skates on, let alone when freak, total freakish thing. Glad he's all right. You know, certainly the Montreal player, he just, he fell. It was the way he fell and his leg came up, but thank God everything. 
Uh, I just want to say shout out to Mika Zinabad on the five Rangers. Goals. Five freaking goals the other day. That's crazy. You're on fire. The Rangers, like I said, they are the team that just refuses to totally die. They're going to haunt you forever. Let's take a look around the league and the milestones and all that stuff. Do we have any? You taking over do we have the any show, other? Um, well, it's, here. well, normally, I'm get a paper cut. normally I get twenty minutes, but we have our <laughs> lovely interview with our guests, so I'm just trying to go fast. Uh, is there any other to- Bruins topics? This is Bruins stuff, but this is just around the league stuff. I don't have anything. Okay, I'm well, on that Twitter machine right now. Well, I don't see you anything. look at the Twitters. Look, or as Chris Jericho would say, the Twitter. Twitter. Okay, so uh, right now the Bruins have 69 games played. We've got 43 wins, 14 losses, and 12 uh, in the OT, whatever. 98 points. We're 22-10-2 at home, 21-10-3 and away, uh, which is not bad. But again, Tuesday we're playing Philly, so it makes me a little nervous in their building. They are on fire. We still got a plus 51 goal differential. We got 13 games left. We're 7-3-0 and in the last 10. We're obviously currently on a one-game losing streak. At the time we record this, we lost to Tampa Bay last night and uh, a crazy melee of a ding-dong day. But we're number one still first yeah, East buddy. in the whole entire league. Everyone is still chasing our asses. And you know what? We have a pretty hot ass, so it's great that they're doing that. All right, milestones. Let's keep an eye on this. Yarrow needs two more shutouts to get his 50th shutout. Tuca needs one more shutout. Let's see. Maybe they can do it. We still have 13 more games from here. Uh, I say they do. I say, I say Tuca I does I say it. they do. I think they could if we... We still got a couple weeks and depend on the opponent. Uh, Brad Marchand keeps bumping himself. He's 10th on the scoring, like all times Bruins scoring, and he keeps... He's like an... Remember I used to always call Mark Savad the assistinator? I think yes. that Mashi's the new assistinator. Well, he, he definitely cracked 50 this year. He is on fire. We'll do that one in a second. Uh, David Krejci needs 15 more points to get a 700 points. That'll be a tough stretch, but he'll probably get there, if not in the first uh, month of next year. Well deserving. How many that. games has he played? Oh, I can't remember. He just played his 400th game. Oh, no, no, it's higher than that. Not, he just played his 900th game the, okay. this year. Right. So I was like, I, I'm thrown off. I forgot. I was like, yeah, because... When you think about point, points to games, yeah. that's not bad. No, he's one of the great... We'll get to that thing, but he's one of the greatest. I mean, people like to say a lot about David Krejci, but I think they don't realize that he really is literally one of the most oh, productive Bruins that have ever put on things. Blackie's boing factor right now. That's all right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, so Passa needs 12 more By games. By the way, to shout play. out to those guys. Oh, yeah, shout out to you guys. Oh, and just for the record, uh, Tory Crews getting six two for six. I'm seven two for six. You I'm heard he had Blackie. You know, watch. I'm usually I'm usually pretty good about. You guys got to listen too. to the Big Bad Bruins podcast oh, yeah, uh, on the out. full press net, uh, full press coverage network with my boy Ian Glendon and Chris Blackie. Uh, fantastic people. That being said, that's why I don't want Pasta to rest because he does have enough games. This is the healthiest season he's had in his whole entire career. Go and for it. He can do it. Go for it. So he can rest one game and the other 12 games he needs to play. And the last game of the season will equal his 400th games played as a Bruin. How have you been along, around that long, David Pasternak? Uh, Hi, how are you? Because I always need a reason to talk about Tory Krug. He needs 11 more points. And then he will become the fifth on the defensive scoring list for Bruins all time. Not bad for a small kid from Michigan. And he's up there in, in American professional points. Oh, yeah. All day long. As defense. Um, I just wanted to take a minute and mention about this core that I think that we all love, but people underestimate. Uh, and the core, which I heard the weirdest thing on the... Who was it on the... 
It must have been the Sports Hub hockey show, and I don't remember who it was, but it said something like Nick Ritchie is part of this core. Nick Ritchie is not part of this core. Nick Ritchie has been here for four games and is not a core he's player. He's been here for ten minutes. He can he's, be part he's of already maybe, a core player. Maybe he could be part of the young kids moving up, right? He's 24. He's in that group. Maybe he will become part of the core, but... He's going to be lucky to get his name on the Stanley Cup. No, he's going to be lucky to not end up in the AHL with his brother. That's where he's going to be. Again, I want you to do well, Nick Ritchie. I never want people to be counterproductive. I'm just saying I have very high expectations. Still a work in progress on that whole right. on that whole deal. Right. So I'm not it's, it's shitting. It's like a sculpture. Right. That's what I mean. I can't yeah. judge this thing. But uh, come two weeks into the playoffs, I'm about to judge you hardcore because I'm a thing. But anyways, Tori needs three more for that. That is def- 11 more for that. That's definitely doable for him. Uh this core on the game's playlist, Bergeron, Chara, Krejci, right? On the goals list, I won't give the actual numbers of what I will do that during the summer when we have more time. But for most goals scored, Bergie and Marshy are on there. On assists, Bergie and Krejci are on there. For on the all-time points list, Bergie, Krejci, and Marshawn are on that. Someday Pasta will be too. Tuka Rask, Mr. Let's read Tuka Rask. Tuka Rask is number one with 290 wins. Well, yeah, because we lost last night. He is number one in save percentage with a 9.22. He is number one in games played with 535 games. He is number two in goals against average, but that's because Tiny Thompson's 199. It's hard to beat, but maybe. It's harder when you get older to do it, but just maybe, right? Uh, and I would like to have to point out that our future core players like David Pasternak is already tied for fifth with eight hat tricks in his career at 24 years old. That's nuts. We've got four, 13 games left, right? We talked about Philly, Buffalo, Toronto. We're going to see Columbus, Anaheim, L.A., San Jose, Detroit, Ottawa, Florida. Oh, I knew we had another game versus Florida. Carolina, St. Louis, and Carolina to finish out the seasons. So we do have a couple back-to-backs, but the last couple weeks, like we said, not saying our opponents will be easier because who knows, everyone's fired up those last couple weeks. But as for resting and breaks, we should have a good travel schedule. Not After we get through that, uh, last swing through California and back, we're pretty good. Even if we travel, it's local Eastern Seaboard. Uh, on the leaderboards, David Pasternak is leading in goals with 48 goals. He might get his 50, he might not, but still, Pasta, you are on fire, and I love it. Uh, I say he does it this week. I think I think he will. I don't know. I hope it's during the Toronto game. So that'd, that'd be awesome. Uh, uh, I hope he gets number fifty-one and fifty-two versus Toronto. That'd be awesome. Uh, Brad Marchand has fifty-eight assists, so he is on that list for points. We've got Pasta at ninety-four. He's number three with ninety-four, and Brad Marchand has eighty-six points. Again, Marchand might get another hundred-point season. Marchand. Who knows? He always is like really on fire the last couple weeks. Uh, also, future note. Is say we do make the cup final again. Do not let him play versus the Black Aces and hurt his wrist. Yeah, um, yeah no more of those. That was that was ridiculous. And because I ha- I think it was because there was so much time in between. I they know, needed to do was, something. Was it nine days? Yeah. It, it was, was crazy. Yeah. Um, I get it, but... And because, you know, I just haven't talked about Tory Krug enough, I would like to say Tory <laughs> Krug is number six. He's got 49 points on the defense list. And he is also number six on the assists with 40 because he's awesome and... He's going to make his money here or somewhere else. We're going to play if the playoffs started today. Mark, I was right last week just to remind you, two and three in each division plays. The top-seeded number one gets wild card two, and the second number one, whichever conference uh, division, they get wild card one. 
Okay. Right? So it is still kind of the weird 1 through 16, just not the way it should be. You know, even though you did point it out, I'm still going to be confused about it. I do. So I made you this little <laughs> chart right here. So currently, it's a little iffy. It's weird for me because Philly and Washington, because there's a whole other formula, like who has more games left, you know, whatever. Uh, but right now we would play Carolina and Washington or Philly. Again, I don't know exactly what that tiebreaker is because they have the oh, exact okay. same record. Did, yeah. Plays the Islanders. The 2 and 3 right now is Philly and Pittsburgh and Tampa and Toronto would play respectively in the East. So just as a reminder, the three top teams get in. The two highest teams after that get in, regardless of what their okay. regular their regular season goes. So against we each other. yeah we, we now with the wild card one and two that that would. So we have the better record than Washington or Philly right now. Right. So we play the second wild card. Okay. So basically one and eight. Yep. Right. Yep. So then the other number one would play the first wild card who had the better record. Ah. So it's like you get rewarded for having the better number one All record. Right. No, I, I can see. Does that make sense? It does. But especially in the Metro, this may not stick. See, that makes more sense than this. Just the, you know, the three teams, the Atlantic, and then the wild card on the NHL.com yeah, website. Yeah, confusing. I, you know, it I might thought not I was right, but I did double check the bracket on Perfect. how that was. So again, that's not really going to be set. We can talk about that more. Oh, and for the record, for those of you out there who are NHL minded, uh, in the Central St. Louis would play Nashville and, well, because St. Louis is number one, and Colorado and Dallas would play, which would be a fuck of a series. I'm just saying. Uh, currently, <laughs> Edmonton would play Vancouver, which would be a crazy series, and Vegas would play Calgary. So... Ooh. That's good, I think, for travel and like rivalries. Oh God! (laughs) Well, again, we talked about this, especially the Pacific. Like the West is such a crapshoot right now. You could end up with Vancouver in one, Vegas as the wild card team, and Calgary and Edmonton playing each other. I think this this they really, really need to not have the Boston Toronto lineup, like having Tampa Toronto. Color jerseys will confuse me. That's fine. They re- they really need for viewership. Philly versus Pittsburgh would yeah. be crazy. Be awesome. And they need now that they've established the Battle of Alberta, which is another one like e bug. I'm sick of hearing, but it is true, and it has been a crazy series this year. So that's where we're sat on that. Uh, did I do? Is that everything? I don't know. I guess my. I don't know. If it's on down there in my pile on the floor, it's not. it doesn't matter. But one last thing I would like to say. Uh, this week we lost uh, from famous Montreal Canadian uh, Henri Richard, little brother of Maurice Richard. Pocket He's 84 Rocket. years old. 11 Stanley Cups, Pocket Rocket, Hall of Famer, NHL 100. Uh, and even though he's from the rival Montreal Canadiens, his uh, legacy in the sport is not denied. So uh, to their family and to the Montreal yeah, community. The organization. We're, our thoughts are with you guys. Amazing, amazing player through the 50s and 60s, even into the 70s, I believe. Um, yeah, yeah, I believe he just, retired in the 70s. Yeah. Um, yeah, just an unbelievable run with that team. Uh, and yeah, it's just, you know, that's part of history right there. You know, it's just... And I've seen so many uh, black and white videos of him playing, and and that and that dynasty. It's just, mm. it's a, it's it's a forever immortalized in history for what he did, along with the group of, of um, very talented teammates that were predominantly French Canadian. Just uh, 
man, they trucked the league for so many years. Yeah. But, um, you know, when you think about stuff like that, it, it, you, you look back at seriously on how much the Montreal Canadiens took over Quebec. Like, like literally they had so much capital uh, that they could go out and buy a league just to get a, a player. You know, that's how they got John Beliveau. That's mm-hmm. how they stacked their teams. They just took over leagues and grabbed players and, and you know. It was the J.D. Rockefeller approach to yeah. the NHL. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Drive them out. Absolutely. So that's go and bet. Yeah. Go please, and rate and review. Please go to betonline.ag, our show sponsor, and use code CLNS50 when you when you place a, at least a $55 deposit, and you get... 50% back in uh, in playable funds, so um, it helps. What? Just notice your shirt. She just noticed I'm wearing an LA Kings shirt. She's wearing a 2014 King Stanley Cup. Was you were you so traumatized from losing in 2013? No, I just no, my, I know you're Manchester Monarchs. My dad, my dad went to LA um, back then and got me the shirt. But so and I'm after the last night's game, I just didn't want to wear anything Bruins except for my hat. So. But uh, yeah, go to betonline.ag, place a bet, help us out. Check out uh, the blackandgoldhockey.com, not only for the the awesome fanatics banner that we use to help support the show, but awesome, awesome articles that uh, our like twenty some odd writers are producing. It's crazy. We're bringing on more people. We're, if you want to write, please send me an email, blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com. Come aboard the team. We'll see if you can cut it. And sorry we're running a little late, but we want to do that little interview. Talk to some fans that aren't ourselves. Yes, I think it's important for us moving forward uh, to get some more interaction from some other writers in the industry and some TV personalities maybe. Love to get a player like uh, a person like Andrew Raycroft on the program. He's just um, really killing it in... In early media, in his early media career, I think he started off a little rough, but he's really come into his own lately, really given some really good knowledge and insight, especially when it comes to the puck eaters and the goalie union. You know, got to shout out the goalie union. But uh, let's end that now. We're approaching two hours, so I thought it was a good show. I want to thank Lance from Nashua for the call-in and the test. Hopefully it works, and we'll get rolling on some more interviews. I have a... I have a list of people I really want to talk to, and I think that Heather would enjoy their company as well uh, to try to, you know, get some feelings about what's going on around the league from uh, another voice, not just mine, uh, in in the studio. So uh, we got a lot of things that we're working on, a lot of things coming up. So uh, thank you for the support. Uh, the Patreon.com slash Black and Gold Hockey Podcast account is still going on. We're not doing the T-shirt giveaways, but we're still. You know, Still welcoming another way to help cut the costs of um, of, uh, of dealing with a show and, and a website um, out of pocket. So we appreciate the financial con- contrib- contributions. Yes, thank you very much from those great folks. So and and anybody that shares the show, listens, supports, we want to thank you. It's it, this can't be done without you guys. And um, and when, when we move forward with the uh, long list of people that have been um, supporting us for many years and, and hope to in the future. So we're not going anywhere. We're here to stay. Stuck with us. Stuck with us. You're really stuck with Mark. I know. 
All right, but anyway, thank you very much to everybody who listens, supports, and financially does everything that you guys do the best. You guys are a great Bruins family, and we will be back next week for even more Bruins talk. Go Bruins! Thanks again for listening to and supporting the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family, and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com, and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.